Let the bass kick. Hi, Mom. He got a lot more than that. We talked to him outside. He is funny. He's going to start doing stand up. Michael Holland, stand up. Coming to you soon. <laughs> Don't do that. You are way too tall. And has anybody ever said that you told you that you have a really freaking long name? Um, look at this, you guys. I, I, I'm gonna, Michael Holland, your name is too long. We got to shorten it. Look at that thing. That's a long freaking Douglas. name. Douglas. What up, Doug? 777. Nice. <laughs> anyway. MGH. What up? 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 What Welcome. Golf snaps to you for being here. And golf snaps to whoever the hell this guy is that's in my studio right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. That's Michael Douglas Holland. I already spoiled Live that. From Spoiler the Sapphire alert. Lounge. Spoiler alert. MGH. This guy. MDH. Is Michael Mass, Douglas Mass Holland. Mass General. Golf snaps yeah. Michael Douglas Holland. <laughs> Snap you guys it might up. know Michael Douglas Holland from our uh, Sundays are for the Boys video our around at, uh, at Cane Ridge yeah. for the Bag Taggy, too. That was he him. actually had some good shots. He was the one that, that played well. Decent, decent. <laughs> you yes. left us in the dust, man. Yep. Why'd you do that, Michael? I was just enjoying the moment with you guys. It was yeah. amazing. I know. Anyway, awesome. I should have played. Yeah. You, you yeah. Have. Welcome to Last Cash. Arr. Welcome back to Last Cash. <laughs> if you have, uh, hopefully you've been here before. But if not, this is episode 30. I'm Will. I'm Marcus. I'm Dr. Hoy, and I'm listening. And that's Michael Douglas Holland. Michael Douglas Holland. I was trying to bring it back. That was a throwback. To, that was good. I used to do that as an intro. But... And I'm listening. I said, I'm listening. No way. Frazier. Any Frasier oh, fans? I'm listening. Which I think they're making a re- remake. No they way. remake everything these days. But you got I, to. I'm like, hey, uh, let's just recycle this pr- premise and make get, some more money. Get ready for Mission Impossible 16. <laughs> All right. Die Hard 8. Police Academy 12. Don't even <laughs> get me started on James Bond. All right. Come on. Yeah. They're going to have, have a black James Bond at some point. They're going to have so many of them. I can't believe that's not a thing already. I mean, we don't drink our uh, drinks. Well, look what they did to the Gunslinger, the Dark Tower series. Does yeah. Stephen King? Anyone? Yeah. Anyone? No. Bueller? Bueller? Maybe. What about the? I know the stand. They made it into a TV show. Well, the stand. Okay, so the idea with dark, the Dark Tower, and yes, audience, you are correct. This has nothing to do with disc golf. <laughs> We're just over here contemplating that's, our highs. That's every episode. If you're if you're looking for disc golf content, you may be in the you may pocket. just want to wait about five minutes. <laughs> Marcus just threw his phone across. The He's room. done. He's done. That. Marcus is not happy about the direction of episode thirty. Will it Heiser? So far, the phone stuff. definitely Heisered. Yeah. Um, no, Dark Tower was a, a, a long saga, epic fantasy uh, by Stephen King yep. that incorporated characters and settings from many of his previous novels, and um, many of the, which were from The Stand and other 
various works by Stephen King. But uh, yeah, the book was based around a character called the Gunslinger, who was modeled after Clint Eastwood, per Stephen King's. He said this is in his own words. Gunslinger was modeled after Clint Eastwood. And when they finally made a movie, who plays the Gunslinger? Idris Elba. Now, um, obviously, we're all about talking about diversity and disc golfing and other avenues in life. And we'll just get into the weeds right off the bat in episode 30. But, you know, you have these uh, these kind of, I don't know how to, how to frame it, but where a character that is written as a certain uh, ethnicity is played by another ethnicity in the movie. And it's all in the interest of more diversity and incorporating more people. But... Where it really falls short with me is when you change the story to make that happen. Because due to certain interactions between characters throughout the, the course of these books, the gunslinger could not have been a black man because one of the characters, one of the main characters in the story is a black woman who refers to the gunslinger often as honky. Oh. So you see where the problem lies here. Yeah. Mm. It how do they feels a little cheap, right? How do they tackle that in the show? Uh, I have not watched the movie because I'm boycotting it. Oh, yeah. it was it was okay. Is it? It was good. I'm, I'm sure it was good. Idris I remember Elba. they complained about Idris the Elba last is an amazing Tom actor. Cruise. Idris yeah. Elba is an amazing actor and a uh, bronze god. He, I mean, the guy is is devastatingly handsome. I am in jeopardy of falling in love with him as we speak. Just imagining. I just watched him. a movie with him in, in a, a last in a night. duster in a, a cowboy hat. Who else was in the movie though? Uh, I don't. I, Matthew, Molly's Matthew game. McConaughey. That's what, which yeah, Matthew yeah, McConaughey exactly, would have right. been. Per if you if you are somebody who has read the novels, Matthew yeah. McConaughey could have been the the, the gunslinger. Oh yeah. And Idris Elba could have been the Man in Black, but they swapped them. And I mean that's cool. I guess whatever. But that's my thing. Is like I understand that you have to change the content of the source material yeah. to a certain extent to adapt it to a different medium. But when you have when you change a central part of the story, because that black woman in that story referring to him as honky was rooted in a whole other part of the the whole story. Uh. Like her entire backstory was based on her background as a woman who lived in during the civil rights movement. Okay, so. It, and it was like she was a person with split personalities. So when mm. she would turn from her main personality to this other uh, more vulgar personality, mm -hmm. Detta Walker, I think was her name, she would use racial slurs and cuss a lot. And that was like a part of the whole story. So if you take if you make the gunslinger a black man, well, now all of a sudden you're you're changing a lot of parts of that particular story. Yeah. So it, it's a good example of, you know, what I mean, I under I'm all for more diversity and including people and being and and breaking those boundaries. I'm all for that. But if we're making a movie to celebrate a awesome story, why are we changing a very fundamental part of the story in order to make it a movie and to fit in these rules that nobody seems Was to I mean, if you think about it, bro, that, that movie could be just like uh, taken away. Like a lot of things have been taken away recently. Yeah, it's a good uh, allegory. Pa yeah. Potato hit. Yeah, potato head canceled. Um, Meets, hey. Yeah, Pepe I mean, Le Pew. Hey, I'm I'm just saying, so so if they, we like to let 
things discuss things early in the podcast. So if somebody wants to cancel us, they can just listen to the first. Five yeah, ten I mean, minutes. you don't. I can go ahead and cancel it. Nobody they, is. They don't need to, to get into two hours in to be to like, listen. oh, there's the there's the part that we need to take out of context. I just I'm just glad my episode is going to be known as the controversial episode, the one where Mike was super excited so to be here until we started yeah. talking, and then I'm the just rest of the episode, around yeah. this landmine sat, yeah, exactly. camera like, mm-hmm. <laughs> great, hey, Mike, great suggestion for opening segment. I, I did not know I was wa- wa- walking on to Bill O'Reilly's replacement episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Facts. So, uh, yeah, this is the last cash podcast. Just the facts. Guys. We're, uh, we're, we're just some guys contemplating our hysers and other yeah. various things. Um, and we are here at the Sapphire Lounge, and we got all kinds of stuff to talk about. Should we, should we start a segment called Marcus's uh, Daily Shot Over the Houses? Yes, I I really do think we need to get that going. Today, Marcus threw a Maverick. Yeah, and yeah. Tell us about. Did not hit the truck. It was the a white soft truck Maverick. driving. Yeah. I've never uh, seen one. Soft Maverick, uh, Maverick, and cleared two homes. Uh, <laughs> definitely landed in the school parking lot, uh, yeah. right in front of a right where a he moving meant for F one fifty. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Now, can if you guys can hear the generator, or well, I'll just say, spoiler alert: that's a generator that you're hearing. <laughs> no, that's my heart beating right now. That's nerves, dude. That's yeah. all that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We need to start another segment where Marcus questions his involvement in this podcast. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, I pulled up to the studio today, and there is a whole work crew out on the street. Uh, uh, we thought they were messing with the sewage line, but apparently it's not the sewage line. It may be a water main or something, but there's a gigantic pump outside making a noise. So if you can hear that, we're just going to kind of joke about it and make it a part of the show. That's going to be our unofficial Yes, the 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 pump slash generator, whatever the hell that thing is outside, has be is now sitting in the timeout chair in it's, Trey Batson's yeah. spot. Yeah, so we haven't had to use that in a while. No, that's, it's that's good. good. It's good to have somebody yeah. filling that seat, exactly. warming the bench, if you would. Yeah, or will, or could. Shout out to Trey Batson. Shout out to Trey Batson. Up to no good as always, I'm sure. Out there running around. I got to tell you guys about Trey after this episode. Okay, don't let me forget. Okay. I, I love you that kid. You sure him? you don't no, want to tell it on, on the show? Come on. Oh, he's coming on, to the wedding. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Tell it on the show. Oh. Spoiler. He's, uh, that was it. <clears throat> oh, he's coming to the wedding? I'll tell you the whole story. Okay. Well, speaking of spoilers. You getting a ride to your own wedding? Here's the first rant. Breaking news. Breaking news. Trey Batson needs a ride. Yeah, Trey Batson and Kyle Marsh need, both need a ride. And, but Stone is good now. Stone is good. Stone has his own ride now. See, Marcus, what you don't realize is I'm already dropping in in post. Live, oh, yeah. Live at 10 p.m. Yeah. We go straight to the That's scene. why I grabbed the mic and like got all serious in front of the camera. Because right do, do. there, when I go back in post, I'm going to drop in the MP3 of the breaking news music. Yeah, but I want to get one of those... Things that you can record drops before I lose say. my point. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's all good. Shut. The- I'm just kidding. Don't, don't ever shut up. Just be Keep doing you. Keep doing you and being exactly how you Cheers are. Cheers to coffee. Cheers to coffee. Uh, Marcus Cheers reaction cam. <laughs> no, I, I want to. This is the first rant of the show, uh, so you're Straight welcome. Uh, recently, I don't know how many of you even are watching, or if any of you know this, but I own and administrate the Westside Discs fan club page or group on Facebook with uh, my friend Derek Brookard from Truly Unique Disc Golf. And recently, after this weekend, which I want to say congratulations to Kona Panis and uh, Nico LaCastro on their wins at uh, Waco, uh, I had post, I had shared... Golf snaps? Yeah, golf snaps to Kona. 
again. I, felt it. I told you guys it wasn't a fluke at the All Stars. She was going to heat it up, and she yeah. is, and it's and it's awesome to watch. Uh, but also, shout out to Nico for another big win uh, after the USDGC last year. It was awesome to see him just throwing fireworks. Um, always love to watch that dude play well, and yeah. also he's kind of a teammate because he's West Side. I'm DD. Um, West Side. Yeah, it's it, it, it. Yeah, distant cousins. Distant family, yeah. yeah cool. It's definitely fam. Po- it's definitely fam. Fam. Um, yeah. So all of that and Westside Discs fan, uh, their their actual page, the actual Facebook page of verified blue check mark for Westside Discs. Oh, I don't think snap. they do that on Facebook, but they posted a picture of Nico and said, "Sorry if this is a spoiler. This is a spoiler. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we are just too excited. Congratulations to Nico on his win at Waco, and I thought for like a split second, my mind was like. Spoiler. And then I shared it to the West Side Disc Fan Club. Immediately, like this post, this share of a post that I made has already gotten way more likes than anything else I've ever posted on social media. Yeah. And comments are rolling in. Congratulations, Nico. This is awesome. Blah, blah, blah. 200 likes. Everybody's all excited. And then this dude in Finland, I assume it's Finland, could be Sweden, but it's a, it's one of the two. I'm 90% sure. Says, dang, I I was just about I was all I was watching the last round of coverage now, and this spoiled it for me. Bruh. <laughs> the Bruh. profanities that flew through my head in that moment. Fuck spoilers, dude. They're not a, even what what spoiler? Th- yeah, dude, that already happened. This isn't The Walking Dead. Yeah, this is disc golf. Yeah. Am I alone here? I mean, is no. it is it am I the only person that thinks it's ridiculous it's for just, somebody to complain that the outcome of an event was spoiled on social media? Yeah, you get off Facebook. I mean, I know, I know. Better. Yeah, I want to watch it. I just get off. I Facebook definitely that don't time. look at Facebook yeah, if I'm waiting to watch yeah, the newest yeah, episode yeah. of The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, you got to pick your addictions. Yeah, <laughs> and you gotta, don't you yeah. dare try to make me feel guilty yeah. no. for your imaginary spoiler. Nah, bro, especially because I shared it and it was from West Side Discs, the dude's sponsor. I pounded on the table. No, I, Podcast I, faux pas. Yeah. But this is definitely one. I even texted Telly that morning. I was like, I slept on this. And then I woke up. The first thing when I woke up at 530 a.m., I texted Telly and I was like, hey, if you need an idea for a rant, how about people complaining about disc golf spoilers? Yeah. Oh, there was, there was no a, need, Telly. Um, I got it covered. <laughs> yeah, humble humble brag in the Patreon of Joe Mess Pro that I'm a member of. Um, <clears throat> you got money like that, bro? Yeah, you know, twenty $20.12 a month, bro. Um, in the Patreon, they had an interview with Nico, and it's like a 12-minute interview after the round, and you have to watch. You have to get, get access. Yeah, I, I can – I guess we can figure out how to put that in or something, okay. but it's, I mean, it's 12 minutes. Yeah. So, but dude, Nico's outlook on life and disc golf and it, the, the fire he has at the very end, he's like, yeah, better watch out. I'm coming or something like just, uh-huh. just, yeah. you can feel that passion, man. It was, it was awesome. And if you watched it on live coverage, it was, uh, on 17. I don't know if you know, wake up like 17 and 18, which I think they're not the regular 17, and 18 of the course, but he was battling Kale LaVisca, Dr. Smooth, um, and he had this putt. Nico had a putt from 77 feet, and he was uh, two ahead, and he had a putt from 77 feet. Dude, you just 17. spoiled it for me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Damn you, Dr. Hoy! He hits the Damn putt. You. He hits the 77-footer, and 
he he's like, yeah, people didn't clap <laughs> in his interview. He's like, yeah, people didn't clap for me that much. It was my first, his drive barely like skipped back into bounds. He's like, yeah, people didn't clap for me too much when that drive skipped out of bounds. But when I hit that seventy-seven footer, everybody was cheering. <laughs> I'm like, dude, he, he's just filleting folks over here. And then um, Kale had to go for it on hole eighteen because it's across the pond and it's it's a par three this year. And um, he was he had to go for the two. And his Kale's disc went out of bounds, so then it was like less, you know. Uh, Nico just threw a very stable stiletto. Shout out to uh, Jay Buckets. He threw a stiletto at the last. <laughs> Not a wuss. First, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not Jay a Buckets wuss. And, and and Nico was like, "Yeah, I threw my stable stiletto." And I can only imagine one. what Nico's stable stiletto. <laughs> now here's the thing: you have to wonder. Plated, like, does he mean the straight one? Or the really beefy yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, <laughs> people true. use those two terms interchangeably. Right. A lot of people say stable when they mean overstable. Now, it was, I think that's he a, meant his... a very windy course, correct? It, it, it was. Well, it was windy that day. Well, it wasn't as windy the third one. Yeah, that yeah. was the That was the... Now, when I say, like, you know, some certain disc golfers um, are going to do better in, in certain situations, Yeah, Nico is known for throwing really amazing Anheuser shots, you yeah. know, and that means he... Obviously, dabbles around with stable discs. So yeah. whenever it comes to like uh, windy courses, I'm definitely going to give him a little more edge on people because yeah. you know his style um, is de- definitely molded toward he, windy courses. He hit seven birdies through the first nine, and yeah. then he went plus one like through the next six or seven holes. And Kale was like one stroke behind him, and mm. then he still pulls it out. And it's and he talks about the compilation videos yeah. of like the oh, no. those ones you you sent me i did not send those to yeah no no nobody <laughs> nobody knows where they came from but um that guy on facebook on youtube he made a compilation video of like nico getting upset but it's funny because i go back to thanksgiving when the gatekeeper media videos dropped from mco and i had my parents cuz we were all just sitting there like what are we going to watch after thanksgiving dinner and that gatekeeper thing was premiering so we watched it Nico was on, and they're like, I don't know who this Nico, uh, who this coverage, I don't know much about who won this tournament, but I'm like, I'm, I'm like watching this Nico guy. And that was just random people tuning in because he hits a putt on hole one for That's a three, Nico, man. like through the woods. You know, he was like off like near hole two's tee pad at Cedar Hill, and he hits a putt and it like kind of barely hits the cage and just kind of rolls over. And he's like, let's go. And it's like the first hole. I'm like, that's and it just it grabs you. Well, that's he, another thing to mention too, that, man. And, and this is good, good. He's got that swagger for sure. And this is good information for all of you uh, guys out there that are newer to disc golf or your amateur players, and you are hoping to create a space for yourself in this game in this industry, leave your mark, maybe uh, you know raise your ceiling a little bit. A lot of people ask me all the time for the last couple of years, you know, how do you how do you get sponsored and. There's a very complicated and long-winded answer to that question that I normally will give to people that I feel are really interested and have something to offer to the sport. But this is a, a perfect example of what you need to do. One, understand that being good at disc golf and winning big tournaments is not the one tried and tested and proven way to get sponsored. I mean, be somebody that is engaging, that people yeah. like to watch, that people want to see what they're going to do. Be somebody that is relatable. Be somebody that's real. You know what I mean? Like Nico is all of these things in spades because he is as real as it gets. That guy does not sugarcoat anything. He says exactly how he feels. If you can actually get him on a podcast, the few times I've seen him on a podcast, because we had him scheduled to be on this one as well, and he ghosted us. <laughs> yeah. And no hard Ghost feelings, protocol. Nico, if you, if you see this, no hard feelings. But man, 
uh, and you're always welcome to join us anytime. You can call in right now if you want to. I'll stop the whole thing right where we are, yeah. turn this bus around, and I'm spanking every one of you guys on the way back to the house. But no, he's somebody that everybody wants to watch. He's good on camera, man. The camera yeah. loves Nico. Yeah. And it's people like, you know, that's why people like Eric Oakley and Zach Melton can battle with injuries and struggle in their their on their finishes but they're still moving plastic and they're still mm-hmm. getting the most views on YouTube because those are people that people want to watch. Yeah. They want to hang out with these guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's part of it is is being yourself, being an interesting person, be, do something interesting and make it visible. Well, Hoy shared a video with me and it helped me understand Nico a little bit better. The 2011 Music City Open, I think. Uh-huh. And you saw Nico at this time. Um, first of all, the commentary on there is like the greatest thing ever. The guy yeah. coming around with the boombox, whatever. And Billy Crump. Talking very shul. quietly. Yeah. But uh, it, you can tell it was like Nico versus the world in that whole tournament. Like, yeah. It, it, you could tell everybody else was like, hey, this is us and this is Nico. And um, Nico ended up losing by a stroke but if you get a chance check that video out on youtube i think it's 2011 music city open yeah but i think you'll understand kind of nico's me versus the world chip on shoulder attitude from yeah. just that video well yeah. he also you know he had a, a difficult upbringing too and he grew up in some rough areas and he is just a very passionate and excited person in, in yeah. his nature and he's also been in the spotlight within this sport anyway which is a small spotlight but it's still a spotlight since he was very young and the reputation that has plagued him for the last decade is one that he developed when he was a teenager. Yeah. You know, and how many of us, like I could speak for myself and just say, dude, you guys did not want to hang out with me when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. I was an asshole. Yeah, I was. And, and I mean, watching Nico for the last five years, it's just a drastic marked like change. He's a changed person. Yeah. He he has grown and matured, and the mind that he has for the sport, the way that he analyzes things, and the way that he positions himself, it's all very calculated. And mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's awesome to see somebody that is being that is awesome to see somebody getting some success who you know is calculated, but you know is also real. Like he can, also tells it, he's like nobody's thrown as many shots as I have right since such and such time year. Like yeah. he goes into like his calculations of how many shots he's thrown. It that's just part of the interview. It's like he really has calculated this. You know, out. everybody made like a video yeah. during like the hardest part of COVID. And I think that his video was like you know straightforward. Like, hey, you know, this is what I'm working on, and oh. it seems like he's actually done that work. You know, yeah, getting a win. Now everybody thought, hey, this is a time when I can really get that putting practice. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the thing with him, uh, someone was telling me earlier, he's like the best in practice putter there is, but and he goes between that spin putt and that push putt. And it's like, you hear it every Joe Mass production. It's like, it's a mental thing. That's all it is with yeah. that. He goes in between those two constantly. Yeah. He, no. He's, he was missing some putts and he, in the interview he said, finally, it was just like, don't, don't overthink it, man. Yeah. Just get, go to your home, get in your, get, you know, get in the basket, get the putter in the basket, however you have to. And, he did that, man. It was it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, and then yeah. on the other side, Kona Panis dominated from jump. Yeah, that was a ridiculous. She gap. won by twelve strokes. <laughs> twelve strokes Kona between Panis. first and second place in yeah. FBA, and all the big names were there. Yeah, all the big names. Yeah. I think Paige. all three rounds were right at a thousand rated for her. Team. Yeah, you know what? What I like to know is like how many days before did each winner arrive per year for the tournament. Like, I mean, how many weeks in, in advance do they show up? You know, because, like, it seems like to me the people who show up earliest, who get the most most time on the course, is going to do very well. 
Yeah. So it's, um, there's definitely logic there because they practice a lot because Colton Montgomery, I guess they're dating or they, they travel together in a mm-hmm. van and he won last year with the shortened Waco of two rounds. Yep. He had like Macbeth had a crazy charge, but Colton like had two Eagles in that final round and he won it. And so they came back and they had an interview with Colton. He's like, I want to prove that I'm not just, you know, one time, you know, because like it's shortened by one round. Would you have won if it was one more exactly. round? You know, people yeah. always say like, it's uh, hard I don't know, lead. man, if you would have won. It's like, well, he won. <laughs> it's well, because it's rounds. hard to like, keep the lead. You know, when, yeah, you got, when, yeah. you, when you got the lead, it means you got like, what, 80 people behind you trying to take your, take yeah. your gold, you know? Knock you down. But so. they knew that was the last round, too. That wasn't like he, That's true, like yeah. he had That's, to hold that that day. Right. Right, he knew that. Yeah, it, try and stay a little closer to the front. Sorry, You're good. Like I said, you can bring it with you wherever you go, so no worries there. Uh, another guy I played with a lot this winter, uh, Michael Hoffman, actually out of Cooksville, actually went on tour this year, and he played out there, and he's planning all the tour stuff this nice. year. Yeah, shout out to Michael Hoffman. Yeah, I like so I, I, it's been fun keeping up with him because nicest guy I think I've ever played with on a card, and uh, awesome. It's it was cool seeing him out there this weekend. I got my first. Um Real quick, let me ask you this. Win. Are you just saying that because your name and his name are so similar? We It was so great because no matter what happened in the tournament, a Michael was doing great. It just wasn't <laughs> Michael, Michael H. There a Michael was a Michael H, H on the podium. Yeah. Michael, yeah, yeah. Michael. I got yeah. a decent Michael uh, Hoffman story. I yeah. think uh, my first pro win was against him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and we were, actually went into a playoff. For oh. um, It only lasted two holes. Where um, was it? Uh, the Clarksville. Okay. I'm thinking uh, the course that we're probably not going to play anymore. Sean Jor- uh, Groton, please bring it back. It's a good course. Uh, but yeah, um, we went to a playoff. Uh, second hole, I threw one in from about 110 feet. Very nice. <laughs> and Welcome. I was just thinking to myself, like, all right, man, you can do it. I told him, I was like, dude, you got this, you got this. I was like, thinking to myself, like, please don't do it. You know? <laughs> I have never played. Josh Halke and him are the most ready putter you'll ever play with in your yeah. life. Like, Michael gets up to his lie, puts it down, comes up, all in one motion, putts it, oh. and drills it. Didn't miss a putt the Damn. entire time yeah. I played with him. Sheesh. He's a good Sheesh. player. Sheesh. He's um, deserved it being on the road. He's really good. Um, Michael, let's 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 check in with the audience real quick and give them a little bit of information about you. Uh, you have become a good friend of ours. You're at all of our stuff. You play all of our events, and you're a fixture among the Music City Disc Golf and Nashville Disc Golf communities. Uh, for those of you that are watching this, that have no idea who Michael is. He is a teacher. He's an educator in elementary. I believe you teach fifth grade, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, and uh, he has over the last couple of years has started a disc golf club at his school for his fifth grade students, which is awesome. Golf snaps. Golf snaps. Um, and you know, we've tried to support him in that effort as much as we can. And I remember it was two years ago. You were winning amateur division in the putting league. I just, at little just last, it was just, everything's flying with COVID, but literally mm-hmm. just last year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and now you're playing pro, and yep. you've had a lot of success until, until you played with us at, at the back <laughs> No, I'm, I'm six pro events, last cash, exactly five times, and last not cash once. So Never tied for last, last cash. cash forever. <laughs> that was the goal. So I'm uh, $256 richer than I was to start the year. Boom. Uh, I am like $1,500 into paying money to get moves. But yeah. Cha-ching. Hell yeah. Golf snaps for Michael. That's dope. Golf snaps cash, for you. Baby. Money, money, money. And yeah, so we, uh, you know, obviously there's reasons to talk about what you're doing and what would you say, like, because I get hit up all the time by people that are educators or are, uh, promoters and administrators in their disc golf communities asking, what can we do to get disc golf in schools? So 
tell folks a little bit about your experience. What was your vision? Uh, how did you end up being able to apply it? What was the process like? What difficulties did you have to overcome that kind of thing? Um, the goal last year was just to get a, at my school, um, to get a disc golf program for our fifth graders. Uh, fifth graders here in um, Nashville, they don't have sports. So sports start sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So the goal was to be able to get some kids into disc golf for fifth grade. Um, so with your help, you donated a basket. I had a bunch of people. Um, Jeff uh, Tidwell and Joe Ruiz donated tons of putters to the program. And the goal was to have an after-school program and um, just teach the kids the basic of disc golf and at the end be able to host some kind of tournament. Um, we got about a month and a half into our program and then, of course, COVID hit and kind of shot everything down. Um, unfortunately, this year, the schools really haven't approved for us to do anything too hands-on because we just got back in person a few weeks ago. But uh, it, it was not a big issue. I mean, the community here is so amazing. Just posting one thing on Nashville disc golf scene got everything I ever could have needed. Um, I was able to talk to quite a few people. You um, you actually hooked me up with Zoe and Ike, and I spoke with her for about two hours one afternoon talking about how to get everything going and get started. Um, it was a blast. It's something I definitely want to bring back in the future, no matter where life takes me. But um, yeah, it was no issue. The communities everywhere um, are amazing. It's so crazy how disc golf, if you just tell someone you want to do something, it, you don't really, <laughs> you just go with it. They They take care of everything. And that's really what happened with that. That's awesome, man. I mean, and yes, that is one of the many things that keeps me plugged into this uh, this sport, this community is everybody's willingness to support good causes because we are we're all here to have a good time. We're all mm -hmm. here to better ourselves and compete athletically and all of those things. But we're also here to enjoy each other's company and to yeah. look out for one another and develop. And I mean, the relationships that, and I'm sure I'm speaking for everybody that I've developed. I mean, those are the, the most priceless things in my life. And having disc golf in the middle of it as a fundraising engine or an engine for change and good, I mean, you guys have no idea the power of that. And mm -hmm. and to be able to use disc golf in a way to positively, positively affect the life of children in the way you're doing it, that's, I mean, you talk about growing the sport, How how else... Could well, you better describe I, to be fair, Will, I make all the kids sign a after the Paul McBeth contract. They have to sign a ten percent uh, <laughs> gross of their net incomes, and disc golf have to come to me. Everything. So yeah. it's not so selfish. Yeah, selfless. Yeah, well, you're like you're tall and like yeah, yeah. you made it. Yeah. Very select about who I select in there. Yeah, yeah, you're somebody now. You're on a podcast <laughs> yeah. and stuff. So everybody, you know, you're a known man. Um, yeah, he's got the tall, lanky frame too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, no, but it's awesome what you're doing, and obviously. I mean, this speaks to a wider issue where, and I don't know if it's happening more to me lately or I'm paying more attention to it lately, but more people asking, how do I get involved? How do I help? More people kind of, uh, somebody recently kind of proposed that there were people itching and dying to help that we just wouldn't let them. Feel That's like we're cute. going into a it, rant. It's cute. Yeah, I'm not going to go into the rant, but you got this. Buddy. Let me just paint a picture for you guys. If that has ever been something that you've considered asking of another person within the game, here's how you do it: get an idea. That's all you got to do. Be be imaginative. Think yeah. a little bit. Where are you in your life? What groups of people and what opportunities do you have access to? Michael's a fifth grade teacher. He thought it would be awesome to start a disc golf organization for his students. Mm 
and he did it. He said he was going to do it, and everybody around him was like, dude, that's awesome. How can I help? Mm-hmm. And what do you need? And he says, I need this and this and this. And everybody's like, here you go. And then now, he we, like then you become a peer. You see, you understand it's like the person that proposed that there were people waiting in the wings to help that were not being allowed to also kind of suggested that the reason that was is because there is a, in quotes, cool kids club that is... Dude, I've been in so many cool kids clubs. Yeah, yeah, me too. There's no way. Me too. I would not be in this club. But that people that aren't in the cool kids club don't ever get a chance to do anything because the cool kids club is running everything. CKC. That's how we talk talk to each other. No. uh, Here's how you become one of the cool kids, man. Like, I worked my ass off and because I saw an opportunity to do some good and I figured I knew a way to make it happen and I saw it done. That's how I became a cool kid. You know who was a cool kid to me? Anybody else that did the same damn thing. Anybody else that saw a problem and instead of bitching about it, set about solving it. That's a cool kid to me. So... Yeah, there's a lot there there's a lot of people that like I mentioned this on a previous episode, you can go run yelling fire to whoever will listen, hoping that somebody'll come look at the fire with you or you can put the fire out. Yeah. You got some water? Hey, you're the perfect guy. Welcome. Or you can put the fire out quietly. You don't have to wait till you the You became a cool kid because you saw an opportunity to do some good. You did it. And now to me, you're a peer, you're an equal, yeah. you're on my level. We're doing this thing together. We're team disc golf. Right. Do we still hand out coup points? Cool points? No. Nope. Yeah. No. Nope. Do we do golf snaps now? Yeah. Coup points. Do we do golf snaps? Golf snaps. That's soon to be on a t-shirt. I, I really appreciate that because you know I've, I've also snap? done uh, my own little tutorial at a school uh, for fifth graders who had the opportunity to um, you know have a um, report card that was like you know get. B's, you got A's, you didn't have too many C's. Like there was your opportunity to get out and have some fun. They set this little thing up in the gym, and all the kids got to come out and play. I had two discs, um, maybe sixteen putters, but like two or three drivers. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. nothing crazy like that. Um, just had a couple of videos playing. Had two baskets, and they all had a great time. So I really enjoyed um, like getting a chance to get out and help and, and see some nice. kids. Uh, you know, and a lot of people inspire are- some kids. A lot of people are like the complaining. I do think that's the next big open spot is the youth here in Nashville to like do some amazing things with disc golf. So if yeah. anybody's listening today or anybody's wondering, it's like that is, I think, if you want to get involved, that's the way I think the next place to be is the youth yeah. and what we could do here in Nashville. Because I think a lot of kids don't get in disc golf because they just don't know. I mean, even think about when you first started playing disc golf, you're like, what are these? And then as soon as you know, you know. And yeah. um, as soon as there's an opportunity presented yes, to you, yeah. yeah. And so once that happens, man, it just it can take control and take over. And uh, I do think that people who want to participate, I think the youth is still a place we're missing a lot of, you know, potential disc golfers in. And so um, I would love to see Nashville's youth grow with that. Yeah, there's that. There's that pump. Uh, I'm sure everybody can hear it. But oh, I didn't know if I need to turn off the fan. Or oh, something. it ain't the fan. It's that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no. Got so many fans. Interesting segue here, but I can perfectly relate to what you're saying, Michael, because when I was first exposed to disc golf, for me, I, I even knew that disc golf existed. It just sounded dumb to me, and I'd never tried it. So the opportunity. Now how dumb is disc golf, Will? <laughs> it's super dumb. It's even more dumb than it's ever been. I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's my victory laugh. No laughing. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Bring Sorry. it back. Really back. Whoa. Off the rails. All right. Anyway, hey, 
the, watch the TV, you guys. <laughs> Z- Dr. Hoy, this is what I was talking about earlier. <laughs> Pineapple. Hey. <laughs> uh, Fatality. No, the opportunity that prevented... Pre- prevented. The opportunity that prevented itself to me. Okay, yeah, sure. I, I, uh, back in 2013, I went back to Arizona because my best friend's mom was sick and I was going to spend a week with him. And all he wanted to do for five days was play disc golf. And on the third day, he took me to Sholo City Park in Sholo, Arizona, where we played a league run by Pete Ulibarri. Hmm. I've heard Future that name before. Guess, Pete During that round, <clears throat> nice. a disc actually flew the way I meant for it to, and I was hooked. Came back to Nashville, buying discs, started playing at Crockett Park, met Taylor Kaysen, completely hooked. The rest now, is history. And the rest is history. And incidentally, Pete Ulibarri will be on the show on March 29th. Boom. And he is, yes, he is the older brother of Paul Ulibarri, team captain at Discraft. Um, But he is also, has been a thousand plus rated disc golfer for many years, is a uh, tour team member sponsored in his own right, is a tournament director, promoter, and course designer, um, wears many, many, many hats, is a very interesting dude, and provided the opportunity that got me hooked on disc golf. And now I'm running a national tour event. And he just won. This is how it works, guys. Yeah. At the memorial. At the memorial. Pete. Yep. Pete. Nice. Yep. Yep. Guess who's joining MP40 next year? Hey. This guy right here. Right to go. Watch out. Right behind you, bro. Jeff Castellina, watch out. Intermediate masters, here I come. Yeah. Michael Johansson, watch out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Real quick. Yeah. Before we jump. (laughs) Riddle me this. Riddle me that. Before we get away from this, some interesting things have been going on. Obviously, uh, as you guys may have heard on the social media, let me see here. Where are our picks? Here's our picks. We got Eric McCabe joining us tonight for a conversation about all sorts of stuff that I and, I, and I'm sure my esteemed co-hosts are excited to ask him many questions. But we uh, also coming up on March 22nd, we've got our friend Robert Zavala and Jordan Big Eubanks. Z. Jordan Eubanks is the founder of the Vets Disc Golf Club. Robert Zavala is the president of the Middle Tennessee chapter. And they will be joining us to tell us everything about their vision with Vets Disc Golf. Coming up right after that, as we mentioned, Pete Ulibarri will be on the show on March 29th. And at the beginning of April, at some point, it's all dependent on vaccinations and uh, some other personal things. But Joel Rogers, Freestyle Players Association Hall of Fame member, Joel Rogers, will be joining us on the podcast. He is a uh, institution in disc sports, and he's a local, and it has been a long time coming i'm very excited to have joel get to have another rogers on the show yep absolutely do a rogers you have something to talk about with every guest i figured i'd just keep that trend going yes right um some of you guys if you haven't already received your invitation to the facebook page and if you have not played a music city open in the recent past and did not receive the email there is a lot of information that has been officially released regarding the 2021 music city open presented by My mouse is in the wrong spot. Breaking news. Um, oh, Lord. Yeah, so... Oh, you get me every time with those. Yeah. There, uh, there oh has been God. emails. There is a Facebook page that is titled The 2021 Music City Open Presented by Dynamic Discs. PDFs and a very long-winded letter written by yours truly are all present in the emails and on the Facebook post uh, page, all that stuff. So check that out. That is everything you guys need to know to begin your planning to come to the music city open this year uh, registration pages are built they are available on disc golf scene so any information that is not in the letter and on the facebook page is on the disc golf scene pages 
but it's official now. That's a press release that just went out this morning. So I'm waiting for your questions. So far, I haven't gotten any. That's a good sign. I feel like I probably addressed just about everything. And I brought you in to make sure I did just that. Is that correct? Yes. Registration opens Monday, March 22nd. Monday, Monday, Monday. Central time. We'll sell you the whole seat, but But you'll you'll only only need the edge. Wow. There's like a connection Mark, right I know, now. right? Like, I, out. Yeah, this, like, Which is- I only do it when it's not wanted. Yeah. I'd never do it when it's requested. Yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. But that's My it. stomach hurts. Yeah. Oh. So Music City Open is live, guys. Get on Facebook. I, I saw Learn some about it. exciting news on your desk about my favorite TD ever. His tournament is uh, sign-ups are April 13th, I believe. I saw that. The Mike Lane yep. classic ah, sign up April 13th. Mike Lane. Yep. Yeah, I meant to tell you about that. Yeah. <laughs> exclusive, exclusive. And my, exclusive, even to Marcus, who's a TD. And my. Oh, and Marcus is over here going, oh, what are you talking about? I know you see. We got. You see the slow, like, look at yeah. the slow Hey, uh, Marcus, I need to tell you something. April, Do April we have 13th. a Sharpie in here, Marcus? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And April 20th, the best tournament of the year, there. Seven Oaks Summer Solstice sign-ups are. April 20th. Hope it, hosted by my Hope favorite it. TD ever, Ruth. <laughs> Again. Ruth Miller. Yeah. Ruthie! Ruthie I have a short term. It's, it's weird because it's almost like I chose that date so everybody would know when the Summer Solstice no, is open. I was hoping. 420? That would, it would make everybody forget, and I could sneak in there and make sure I get it signed seven up. Seven Oaks. <laughs> Well, not saying nothing. I mean, you know, uh, what we normally say is pineapple. We had, oh, <laughs> we had uh, too many questions asking about when those registration pages. So I just kind of went out, and built them. So now we're locked in. They we're were tra- all for we're me. trapped now. Trapped in. All right. <laughs> the ship has moved. It's good stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's good stuff. Everybody now has access to everything they need to know to begin their process. One other tournament that is live registration right now is the John Lynn hit me up about learning about disc golf scene, the Tennessee Tech. Yep. He's trying to, they're trying to raise money. So, because the school said they won't pay for them to go to the National Collegiate Disc Golf Championships. And I mean, what better way? Like, help send a team, a local team to the Disc Golf Championships, the Collegiate Nationals. I mean, that's, so it's an event, I believe, March 29th. Uh, Sunday, yeah, Sunday, 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 Sunday. <laughs> and it really March twenty eighth, maybe. Me and Blake Burgess are a team to be announced, but uh, you're coming for second place, so just get out there, support a good cause, <laughs> and, and try Badger, to get that Blake Burgess or <laughs> are teamed up together. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah. And, everybody's hey, gonna com- be so com- mad at you guys. <laughs> yeah, comment a team name. We got to figure this out really quick. Uh, I'm gonna pick up DJ. We're gonna see you out oh, there. No. Oh gosh. I know. Here we go. It'll just be me playing, but I'm going to get to <laughs> Yeah, it'll yeah. just be you. He'll say he'll Backup. be there. He'll be on the list. <laughs> Team Cookies and Cream. Not saying anything. Shout out to DJ. Wait, co- uh, cookies sure, and Cream? I'm sure he no, can make time we're not, to we're not giving in to those. Uh, <laughs> Oreo? <laughs> no, we're not no? giving in to any of those. The, cookies van- and the cream? vanilla Oreos? No. What about uh, pineapple? Bro. Pineapple. <laughs> Team pineapple. I'm just saying I got some vanilla Oreos downstairs. I'm saying. Vanilla Oreos? Yeah, they're, they're bomb, bro. We are officially having way they're too much golden fun Golden wafers, man. I got a, one more piece of information that just dropped today. Was about the 2020 Female Player of the Year. 
in disc golf? It's a shocker. It's a shocker. Boom. Who is it? PP? And no, earlier it was announced Katrina Allen. I was say Katrina Allen. A couple months ago. And then um, they announced a new point structure. And Paige Pierce was interviewed, I think, on Smashbox or something. And they asked her about it. And she was like, that's fake news. Like, talking about how many tournaments. And then just today, they announced co-female players of the year. Oh, my gosh. Katrina Allen and Paige Pierce. No way. Awkward. (laughs) Thanks for the controversy, PDJ. Wow. (laughs) So... I got it. The, the timing Man. of all that, like they relooked at the the um, wins the, and everything else. Like the criteria they announced. So after Katrina Allen, and then after Paige Pierce said that, the PDGA announced criteria for the Player of the Year, and then they went back and looked at it, and Paige Pierce would have won based on that criteria. So now they're co-player of the year, but it just seems like guys. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I got to say something here because I have uh, experience with two different perspectives that both come into play here. One is being so excited and so overworked and like trying to make sure you cover all your bases in a in a post or in an announcement or something like that and saying something the way wrong way. And not realizing it until you've just posted it and then yeah. having to like, and then all of a sudden your hands start shaking and you're trying to hit the edit and find the edit <laughs> yeah. button and like go back and find the right spot. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's, yeah. there's five people that have seen this so far. Yeah. And yeah, it's very stressful. So I understand that. I also like understand that man as much cause, and this is why I'm going to react to this a little bit personally, because I have many friends at the PDJ and I respect the organization. I respect everybody that's yeah. involved in it to the utmost. But during the beginning of the pandemic, when the shutdown happened and we were trying to figure out what was going on with the national tour series and all that stuff, I felt like there was, it was kind of a scramble. It was kind of a three ring circus. And I felt like I had to initiate a lot of conversations that I shouldn't have had to initiate. Mm -hmm. And that was what led to me ultimately running for the PDJ board of directors was because I was like, is this where we're going to be left the next time something remotely like this happens? And now, I'm not trying to criticize what the PDGA does. They do an excellent job. Um, th- this was just like as much as that whole process was dictated entirely by CYA and lawyers, a room full of freaking lawyers. It wasn't about what's good for the players, what's good for the people that are actually involved. It was what's going to cover our ass. That was what dictated the entire process. And even the people that I was inter- that I was interacting with at the PDJ were saying as much. It's like, well, you know, this is what we want to do, but this is what we have to do. And da 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 So if you're going to be that, if you're going to throw all your chips in on the CYA thing, and then you're going to, like, double back and do a double dutch, like, pussyfooting yeah. around a, announcing such a prestigious thing as the female player of the year, like... Yeah. I mean, that's like Steve Harvey <laughs> pulling the Miss Worlds or Miss USA, whatever, the reading the wrong uh, name. And yeah. then like, okay, just own it, man. Yeah. Like, hey, we, we didn't understand our own criteria. We got to yeah. double back on this a little bit for a second. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But shout out to Katrina Allen and Paige Pierce, obviously at this point and for the m- recent history, the yeah. two most dominant female players in the game of disc golf. Hashtag on it. Put some hashtags and some golf snaps on it. Golf snaps? It. Only because Kristen Tartar can't come to the USA right now. Yeah, That's everybody's in trouble when those borders open back up. Because I'll, t- I'll, I'll promise you right now, it ain't just Kristen. Estonia and Finland and Sweden oh, got Evelina some bad and ladies over there. Yeah. You just got to go through Mexico. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You just got to quarantine in Mexico for 14 days. Who doesn't want to go to Cancun yeah. or Kosovo? I mean, I mean, you got options. It's 
exciting, bro. You can walk right through. Right. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, those that's next the news. up in the political segment with Marcus Rogers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make that joke. Like Stay tuned wrong. for just the tip <laughs> after the break. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. What am I about to do? Pineapple. <laughs> yep. Uh oh. I can't mail. make it go away now. It's taken over the operating system. It's a hi- it's hijacking my computer. Uh, no, it's, it's a pineapple it's virus. But yeah, that's the news, guys. And this virus. is my friend Michael. And golf snaps for you because you're awesome. I'm glad you're my buddy. Have moments. And we will be right back after the break with 2010 PDGA World Champion Eric McCabe. Let's go. Enough Stay set? tuned. I think so. Transition. Insert transition here. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> be there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to finish this word after the break. What up, Davon? You guys can't see it, but Davon just came through the room. What up? What up? Hey, psych out on the break. Uh, turns out Eric's trying to eat some dinner, so I realized that we forgot to talk about a couple things. One being, uh, I know Michael that you are very particular about your discs, and you mm. you definitely take a lot of time to try everything that's available on the market to make sure that the equipment that's in your bag is filling each slot that is absolutely necessary to playing at the level that you do. Uh, and I know that you brought your uh, your mainstays that are in your bag uh, from your entire range, you know, from your putting approach all the way up to your distance drivers. So it, I feel like it would only be fair for us to show the audience what you're working with in your bag. To be fair. For sure. Be fair. For sure. I'll start with my uh, mid-range. It kind of, it's the moneymaker. Um, this is the uh, Emac Truth. You may have heard of it. Um, Lucid Plastic. It's my back range mid-range. Um, great. That's... Gr- I don't know how this works. The camera's perfect. Camera. Uh, yeah, this is my baby right here. Uh, it gets me all the birdies. I know you guys see me at uh, Seven Oaks taking down that uh, top spot every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> what happens right there, that mid-range uh, backhand. Kill him, Mike! Go- it's so powerful that for a minute there, he didn't even have a face. It yeah. Kill him, Mike! I go to this one for more of the flick on the mid-range. This would be oh, that uh, Music City Open 2019 stamp. Really, Ooh. really dope stamp. Uh, that's the 2019. That's uh, Emac Truth. Shout, uh, shout out to Charlie Re- da- uh, Matthews. I was Charlie Daniels. Charlie Mur- I was about to say Charlie Daniels, Murphy. Yeah. Charlie Daniels. Yeah. No, Charlie Matthews. Is you can the right take one. this one down to Georgia and whoop the devil anytime. Uh, <laughs> great disc right here. Um, <laughs> I, then I like to go to my my big boys, my big Aww. drivers. Um, this is my official Alpo uh, Augwood uh, Emac Truth. Nice. You can really just rip on this baby. Uh, I can get this <laughs> over two hundred feet easily. Uh, a, you know, a real thrower, a big boy like uh, Marcus. 350 easy. Throw it over all the houses. I'm detecting a theme here. Uh, I mean, that's just my, that's my Alpo, a last place organization. Um, Shout out. A lot of people like to go with higher speed stuff for these big boys, but this is, this is like pretty much the same as like a destroyer uh, for most people for me. Nice. Look at that pearly. This is the New York Yankees Emac Truth. Um, Oh, this is get the hell out of here, Yankees, man. Uh, I mean, the Yankees are terrible, but it's a beautiful disc. (laughs) A little marbled. New York. Um, Go to my putters. Yeah. This is my super. Beat in moonshine. 
Emac Truth. Um, just as straight as an arrow. I mean, just a beautiful, yeah. beautiful disc. Nice. Guys, I uh, need to try this. I mean, I see people spending a lot of money on a lot of different discs, but you can go down to the Nashville Disc Golf Store. Uh, that's my sponsor. Nice. Mark is a sponsor. And pick up these Emac Truths. They usually have them... Um, on deck. So I would say get about five of these and you really don't need anything else. I think it's um, no only only disc you really need. Another thing that I'm thinking of that that has to help with is you don't have to, like, if you get a if stiff you, headwind kicks up and you don't have to, like, pick out a disc out of your bag that feels completely different than what you're normally used to putting with. You know, you're, you're used to that feel of that Emac truth. So now all of a sudden, that thing's just slicing right through headwinds, right and left, slicing. all the way into the center of the chains, right dead in the center of the heart of the chains. Slicing and dicing. Yeah, that gets you eight down, nine down at Seven Oaks every Wednesday. I'm Boom. just putting out there. Stop overthinking it, kids. Just grab yeah. the Emac truth. Yeah. Just grab the birdies. Yeah. Grab the Emac truth, and this, thus you will grab many birdies. True. They are there for you, the taking. Truth. That's the truth. I want to see an Emac truth. I want to put some truth on it. And that's <laughs> the truth. Hot sauce. And that's the truth with some cheese on it. Actually, yeah. when I think about hot sauce, I think about uh, Dylan Field. He's starting that new kind of venture. Like, he's trying to make these new hot chicken, like a pop up, a little pop up hot chicken stand. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's that's true. Yes, yeah, he did. And you have hot sauce on Wednesday night tags every week, and we've not done a hot one challenge. I don't know why that's not Yeah, a thing. We, we actually, did try beef jerky on the last yeah, episode. Oh, we did. We did and, try uh, Garrett's jerky. Yeah. I need to get some more. I need shout out to Clint Wright. Um, I believe he just uh, submitted his education. Fire hot sauce, by uh, the way. Some, some big educational project. very much. Thank you. And uh, he's got some nice hot sauce. Dude, we... Uh, Wright's hot sauce. That's I took that bottle of the Fuego that yeah. I got from you. Fuego. I took Fuego. that to the shop at Vanderbilt, yeah. and it's it's sitting right in the door of the, refri- of the fridge, and everybody's using it. It's yeah. already got like a third of the bottle left. Yeah, it's it goes quick. I, I wanted to ask him if he would make like a little mini, you know, those mini Tabasco bottles, like that are in MREs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 if he yeah. can make a little mini, like for player pack, competitor packs, Dude. like do a little mini hot sauce, Clint. Right? Where are you at, bro? Shout out. Got to do it. That's a million dollar idea right there. Yeah, that'll establish establish your brand as a household name. I mean, if we just like that. Yeah. All right. This is my question. Yo. How come hot sauce is not at vending machines? That's a good question. So, which vending like which vending machines? I mean, you name it. Like the chips. Well, a candy vending machine. The, I mean, I know one? that's okay. not like okay what, candy. Know, yeah. Wanting hot sauce in your candy, but I'm saying if it has a sandwich in it. <laughs> I bet in Japan they have hot sauce and vending machines. Oh, I'm okay. sure they do. Yeah. I mean, they have everything. I'm just saying, they're missing out right there. How That's, do you have cards and hey, vending machines I'm just saying, like, and no not idea. have hot sauce and vending yeah. machines? Yeah. I mean, you've got to have left the cafeteria one time with a hey, sandwich actually, you yourself. you know what I was thinking of with vending machines is I feel like Taco Bell is going to have some kind of Taco Bell standalone vending machine. Um, or they might already have shake. it. They're going yeah, to um, yes, they can no shake going to no cashiers like a standalone. Yeah, you just go in like self service kiosk. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Elon Musk. Dude, <laughs> exactly. How about Taco Bell though, man? I remember Taco Bell being Don't just like a place of hopes and dreams late at night after a, after a bunch of partying Wait, and rabble rousing. Are you? We got Taco talk Bell. Shut up! You shut your. <laughs> Shut up! Just shut up! Shut Are up, we all over thirty? Does your body's process Taco Bell still? I'm 29. Well, it doesn't matter anymore because <laughs> they took everything that was any good off the menu, and now 
They're doing this crazy little bait and switch where they're like, oh, hey, we're bringing the case Lupa back. Aha. Uh-huh. And then their marketing campaign just rubs it in your face. It's like, no, we're not going to put it on a billboard. We're not going to send one to the moon. We're going to avoid all the fanfare and just tell you, hey, the Quesalupa is back and we think you'll like it. And I'm that like, was a, di- a little bit different. Um, uh, it's in my announcer voice. Yeah, I want to create some controversy about this. Okay, first of all, I feel I the just same want to say to you, Taco Bell. Whoa, I feel the same Whoa. way. Whoa. You, Whoa. yeah, I, I don't, I don't endorse that. That is a uh, direct representation yeah. of how Will McCaskill feel. All right, so two things about Taco Bell. First of all, I feel the same way you do. However, wait, they wait, did sponsor thing. Malachi. I'm sorry. And the second thing, well, first of all, Mexican pizza. You got to bring it back. But the second thing, thank you. Isn't Mexican food all just the same thing? Just no, not there. all Mexican hey. food is the same thing. <laughs> no, all no, Taco saying, Bell no, no, food no, is no, the same no, thing. No, no, I'm just saying like. So per, why do you have to take stuff like, off the menu? I'm, this is what I'm saying. Per Mexican restaurant, whether it be just Taco Bell, we're talking about Taco Bell by itself. All their foods no. basically like the same thing. It's like, hey, you're getting oh, yeah, either Taco okay. Bell. Yeah, okay. Do you want corn or flour? Do you want it fried or exactly? Yeah, exactly. Do exactly. you want nachos? You get the meat and vegetables on top of chips and cheese. Come on. Do you want a burrito? It's all in a counter. Do you want a toast counter? It's a corn thing fried. And Taco Bell, you're right. You're not right about Mexican food. I yeah, ask yeah. you this, Taco sir. Bell. I ask you this. Have you ever, did you ever in your life experience a beef grilled stuffed burrito? Yes. When you were, when you were massively drunk? Yeah. Was it not the greatest thing that ever happened in your life? It was not. At that point in time. It was, it was followed okay, by Okay, now the you know what happens if you go to Taco day. Bell and you ask for a grilled stuffed burrito? They say, oh, we don't have that anymore, but you could get a burrito supreme grilled. Okay. Now, now my challenge to you is go get a burrito supreme. Ask them to grill it. Take a bite. Tell me, is it the same? It is not. Wow. It is not. Speaking of fast food, I saw a post today from Jeremy Laser. Shout out to Ramey, and he was talking about a Popeyes. They have something, some kind of sprinkle packet that's called Cajun Sparkle. Sounds he, fun. He's like, get get you. Sounds festive. Next time you go through Popeyes, get you some Cajun Sparkle packets. And Ooh. I'm, I'm Ooh. intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm about Randy. to go to Popeyes right now. Let's give you that glitter poop. Why did we come back from the break? We had an extra long break. We could have gone to Popeyes. Sparkle. It is right around the corner. They deliver. Yeah, there's some craft beer. Craft beer saying they'll have some glitter, like glitter bomb unicorn beers. What? And then afterwards, you just look at what's going down there. You get some. <laughs> The glitter is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's yeah, been bombed. Yeah. Like you would be upset it's if so someone pooped sparkly. on your doorstep, but then you'd like they're like, oh, it's very sparkly. It's very pretty poop. It's so sparkly. <laughs> was that like a rainbow sherbet? If in a soft serve, they call that like unicorn diarrhea or something like that. Oh, the diarrhea part. There was, a, there was an <laughs> ice cream poop. store that called it unicorn poop or something uh, like that. I don't know. It was, it was something. Okay. Uh, speaking of candy and food. Oh yeah, favorite we're supposed to Easter start a candy. Food. Oh, favorite Cadbury candy? cream eggs, dude. Thank you, Easter, dude. Easter, like many holidays, is totally a made up thing. But if it if if we get Cadbury cream eggs out of the bargain, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. Anybody like peeps? I hate no regrets. Oh, I, I hate peeps. What? I was a peep guy, dude. I hate peeps. I hate crap. Sour Patch Kids. Dude. Sour Patch Kids. All Ooh. sour stuff. The other day, I was leaving Walgreens with four Cadbury cream eggs that I had already purchased because I was picking up prescriptions at the pharmacy, which is at the yeah. back of the store. So I went into the store knowing I wanted Cadbury cream eggs, grab the four Cadbury cream eggs, go back to the pharmacy, get the prescriptions, pay for everything. Exiting the store, I see the peeps. 
And they got yeah. they don't just have the regular peeps no more. They got uh, pink peeps, blue peeps, purple peeps. Hot tamale peeps. Do they have hot tamale? Hot dude. tamale peeps. Okay. Talkie dude, peeps. I didn't realize people, until that very moment how much I love peeps. And people. I had already bought Cadbury cream eggs. If there were two charges on the Discover card and I came home and my wife asked me, hey, why'd you use the Discover card twice at Walgreens? I'd be like... Well, the first time was for Cadbury cream eggs, and then the second time it was for Peeps. Do you realize what that would do to my soul if I had to explain that to my wife? (laughs) My dad dad loves Peeps, and he says he has to let them season, and so he cuts the bag open so they dry out and they get hard. And then he's like, oh, these are so good now. So he has has to get Peeps, and then he's like, these won't be ready yet. They take a day to season up. And he cuts he cuts the the top top off, and he's like a day later. It's like you know, like crunchy peeps because it's air dried, dried out. Here's my next question. And, okay, here's a word: sommelier. Right? You know what a sommelier yeah. is? I'm a sommelier. What is oh. this? What is a sommelier for peeps? <laughs> Peepaw yay! Peepaw y'all! I peep it on all y'all. People, yeah. It ain't even a thing. I ain't even scared. Not they even a little over bit. That big, like, thing. Oh, Lord. This is a vintage 2019. This was the bottom left corner of the package facing the front <laughs> was removed yeah. in the year 1978. And it was aged for 12 years before being removed entirely from the plasticine package and placed in a airtight vault. No, you want, you want a little air to get in there and age it a little bit. So it's... So you can char- I'm, I'm interested char- to hear about more about char- uh, uh, Marcus's sommelier pairing wine pairings. I'm really yeah wine pairings. I'm really good at pairing uh, cigars with wine and oh. cigars with uh, bourbon. Oh, dude! And I know a, a shit ton about tequila, and I can tell you a lot about cigars in general. Damn! We need to take him along with us for that podcast we talked to Doug Bjorkus about having the yeah. whis- the whiskey disc podcast. Yeah, whiskey disc. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. That's going to be tough to say. But yeah, it's like most people think that uh, sommeliers or sommelier, depending on how you say it, um, is just strictly wine, but it's actually um, cigars, beers, uh, whiskey, and being able to pair pair, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like being able to pair whiskey with dinner, you know. I thought he was talking about being a pirate. I had no clue what was going on right there. Sommelier. Look at the big brain on Marcus. Or sommelier, depending on who you are. Always, you just never know. I'm here to surprise you. It's just like onion peeling back layer. I did not. I don't even know what you're saying right now, but it sounds good. Oh man, I've opened over a thousand bottles of wine, like easily, like in one night. uh, When you say easily, like slowly, gently. uh, I've broken over six hundred corks because the corks have been so so old and so bad. Like people broke bottles of wine in, and I'm I'm that guy. Like, okay, can you get this open, Marcus? Like, okay, give me like ten minutes. You know. If you want to do it right, you got you four know. different sized wood screws. <laughs> you got yeah. a Dewalt drill and a Ryobi screw gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got, tried to open wine with everything, everything from a yeah. shoe, a like in a hotel with a, with a shoe. You know, that's really you bounce really. it. You I've like seen the shoe bounce trick. the bottle on the shoe, and yeah. it slowly works the top, like you get oh, it on yeah. the bottom and it or something. Um, I've I'm seen a, the sword champagne. Oh yeah, you know, like popping the top. Mm-hmm. You gotta got do it really fast because you can like really like hurt yourself yeah yeah i'm just thinking like broken glass broken glass Everything. it works it, it, at all it, literally, it, sh- it shatters really clean like, when you cut. do it right it's, it's like a really uh, uh clean cut yeah jobless jobless i'm back sir. i'm kidding he has a job he totally has a, a very good job 
Um, but yeah, for real this time, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with Eric. And we're going to talk about the EMAC judge. We're going to talk about the 2010 PDGA World Championship that he won. Yes. We're going to talk about what it feels like to have your face on a billboard. Hmm. We're going to talk about dogs. We're going to talk about Frisbees. Yep. What else are we going to talk about, Marcus? Well, uh, we're going to talk about how much I enjoy throwing the uh, EMAC truth. You? What about this guy? Yeah. I pointed at him and on the screen, it went the right way. You see what I did Whoa. there? Ah. Where'd he go? All right. Yeah, for real this time. On the podcast. On the podcast. The last cash. Oh, boy. Well, I don't think we could probably hype it up any more than we already have. So I'll just leave it at uh, it. It brings me great joy to give a rousing round of golf snaps to the one and the only Eric McCabe. Hey. Hey. What's going on with you, man? How are you tonight? I am crazy busy, if you want to know the truth. (laughs) I gathered. It's been so crazy around (laughs) at, at Dynamic. Um, inside and out with team stuff, with course design stuff, with DDO stuff, with new warehouse move stuff, with Denise being in college stuff. You know, it's just crazy. It's a crazy time in life right now. It's good. It's good, though. <laughs> All good problems. Busy is uh, is good. Productive is good. But, you know, uh, you seem, you've you always struck me as somebody that manages their stress pretty well. Uh, you do a lot of fishing. I'm, I'm sure to. that helps. <laughs> Yeah, I try to. I mean, you only get to go around this world once, right? So you might as well enjoy it while you're doing it. For sure. Nice. For sure. Silence your phones! Silence! Guess the, I kill you! It's DJ. DJ Wicks. Oh, dude, if that's uh, DJ, he is definitely about him. on the list now. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. My bad. So the first elephant in the room that I want to pick your brain about, and I'm going to fire these off like airport style. The first one's land and the next one's taken off because we only got you for 45 minutes and i know some of these guys want to ask you questions too but the emac judge man obviously a lot of buzz you guys released it in a perfectly uh calculated cryptic teasing kind of way and immediately the entire disc golf world went hmm and so i got my prototypes in the mail the other day and took out the evader it was on top Pretty in pink, just like I like my drivers. I've got a pink Escape, a pink Maverick, a pink Getaway, and I pulled this pink Evader out, and it felt super good in the hand, obviously familiar to me. Um, But the one that I was excited about was the Emac Judge, and when I picked up the first of the two, they were one gram apart in weight, 174 and 175, both smoky gray beauties with red foil in the prototype stamp. And when this thing got in my hand, I soiled myself. It was the putter I've always been looking for my entire life. I was a Rhino guy back in the day before I found the trilogy love, the good Swedish plastic. Mm -hmm. And so I realized at some point I was never going to find anything exactly like the Rhino, so I just needed to pick something. And after much deliberation, I landed on a Warden. But I might be coming right off a Team Warden, to be honest with you. So uh, I like to hear it. How excited are you about this disc? I know this is the second disc with your name on it in the DD lineup, so it's got to be special. It is special. It's very, very special, and it's been it's been a long time in the making. To be honest with you, um, it, it's no it's it's no uh, it's no lie. <laughs> it's been it's been since 2012, November, in fact, of 2012, since I've been trying to find that putter from the the dynamic or the West Side or the Latitude lineup. And you know, I started out with Mercies because 
I'll be honest, you know, for 10 years, I putted with the Challenger. That was my go-to disc, and I never switched off that disc. The Challenger was my go-to, and uh, there was never anything really, you know, the, the Mercy's probably was the closest to it. And um, it didn't quite have a microbeat on the bottom, but the flight was similar. The feel was good. So I used it for quite a while. And then, you know, I, I wanted to have an all DD bag at one point. So I, I tried the Judge, tried the Warden, never really tried the Deputy because it was just a little too shallow and a little too understable. And, and you know how it is trying to find that one putter when you've been working with something for so long. Um, and then, uh, you know, the thought came to me of, hey, maybe I should just ask Jeremy about making one that would, why not? We're looking for a putter this year. Why, why not just put my name on the thing and let me design it? And, uh, you know, it took, took some convincing and uh, running around the board table there for a little while. And finally, it's like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's make this happen. And uh, I, I hit up Thomas Ekstrom over at Latitude 64 and told him exactly what I wanted. And he nailed it. Like, instantly i don't know if you guys saw my youtube page uh video that i put out when i first unboxed it and that was legit first time i'd seen those discs and i opened them and and tried them out and felt them and man he killed it the only thing i didn't care for was the plastic the blend you know the blend is not necessarily my go-to i'm not a blend guy. guy okay yeah a little bit stiffer is kind of what mm. i i prefer oh, but man. um if only jay was here yeah the, uh, uh <laughs> a uh what's it a dynamic doubles event about uh about two weeks ago and um we had prime in the player pack and that's what's currently in my bag and those are going to be releasing very very soon so man just just you know honored to be representing a company that's willing to go that extra mile for me and and help me you know continue my dreams so it's 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 pretty pretty surreal to be honest with you yeah, it sounds like this was very similar to the process that you went through with the truth, because the original truth yeah. obviously was much more overstable than you had envisioned, because your vision was a dead straight mid-range. You wanted a point-and-shoot yep. mid-range, and the and what ended up becoming the verdict was not quite that, and then we had the truth after that, and then it was almost like out of the box, I felt like it was pretty much where you wanted it to be, but then... As it would season, it, they they just became flippy. And I know for me personally, I was bagging truths, but I was bagging the heaviest moonshine truths I could find. And so when the EMAC truth yep. hit hit the market, well, before it hit the market, because I know a guy on an RV, <laughs> but uh, I remember I got a couple of those, and it was it was like, yes, this is exactly what what I wanted. And so it sounds like with this with this EMAC judge is pretty much a similar experience, except you didn't have to go through three, four runs of it before you found what you wanted. Exactly. Thomas is kind of, he's the guru now, yeah. you know, you tell him what you want and, and you get it. Same thing with the evader coming out. You know, that disc is, it's a disc that's not in the, uh, the DD lineup at least. I know we have a lot of those fairway drivers, but um, we, we told Thomas what we wanted and he just killed it. Like it's insane. This, this man is a genius. He, he, he literally is a genius when it comes to um, designing molds and making discs. Well, if you take into consideration the fact that we have three companies worth of discs that we get to choose from in the trilogy family, and they all are handcrafted by that one mad scientist. I mean, that's, <laughs> that speaks volumes. For sure. It sure does. Um, 
it's funny that I'm. You said you prefer the stiffer plastic. I'm a classic blend guy. That is my that is my putter plastic. Yeah. And so when I pulled the prototypes out of the box, I was like, yes, I'm gonna throw at least one of these. But we've got a. I, I did that for you. <laughs> Thank I made you. sure that the first round was gonna be blends. Just for you will. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Perks. You know, yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, but one of our co-hosts that couldn't be here tonight, uh, and I don't know why, he he has a tendency to, every once in a while to go MIA, but. Um, he he's always like he put he's an Innova guy, so he throws mostly Innova, but he bags a harp and he throws classic hard judges. And every time I go to Emporia, every time I'm ordering discs, he's always like, "Give me some classic hard burst judges. Give me some classic hard burst judges." And I've messed with him several times because one year I legit didn't remember that he said hard, and I went to Emporia and I came back with a ton of classic blend judges, classic blend burst judges, and he was heartbroken. And then the next year. I made sure I got him a stack of 10 classic hard burst judges, but I got one classic blend burst judge and on for the top and the bottom of the stack. Oh no, we've, we've paused. I'm going to, I'm going to put a pin in that for just a moment. Oh, do we need to all turn off our Wi-Fi? Sure. I think he's coming back. We still got you, Eric. Okay. So I'll finish the story. One year, I got him the blends instead of the hards that he wanted because I honestly it was a mistake. The next year I messed with him because I got him ten hards, but I put a a blend on the top and the bottom of the stack, so he freaked out when I first gave it to him. But then it was okay. So, uh, but yeah, I've just never been a stiff putter guy. I, I like the blend stuff, the softer right. stuff. That's just me. Um, so one thing I would like to do because I've I've heard you talk a lot about obviously your your experience winning the uh, world championship in 2010 and a lot of big milestones in your career but something i'm interested to kind of try and capture in the next half hour or so is a little bit of a timeline where you were born and coming from and where your life was like and what the circumstances were when disc golf happened to you because i know you are longtime friends with jeremy rusco and that kind of builds the bond with dd but Set us up with a little bit of a brief summation of your childhood and maybe why you took to disc golf as strongly as you did when it when you found it. Absolutely. So I grew up in Emporia, Kansas. I was born in the late 70s, uh, 78 to be exact. Um, and, you know, disc golf wasn't booming in Emporia, Kansas back then, you know, like it is now, obviously. But uh, um my childhood was full of all kinds of different sports. I used to play um, baseball growing up. I played on traveling baseball teams. Um, gymnastics was another big part of my, my history where I, have, I was really good friends with my gymnastics coach and we would travel and do a lot of things like that. Uh, and I think that kind of, you know, relates to how my flexibility is and in, in throwing off the tee, you can really see how flexibility really is, is something I truly believe in. Uh, so gymnastics was a big part, but it was actually my gymnastics coach and, and good friend in high school that introduced me to disc golf. And I was very fortunate. I grew up in a neighborhood right across the highway from Jones Park. So I spent a lot of time as a child running around Jones Park. So I knew every inch of that park from day one. Right. And actually, it's funny. I, we about four or five years ago, uh, we bought a house in the same neighborhood. So we're still right across the highway from Jones park. So it's kind of cool full circle right there, but, but yeah, I mean, I just picked up the sport and, you know, and I think it was my sophomore year in high school and just was very competitive and competitive with my friends going out and playing for a couple bucks, you know, and just having a good time. And, 
And back then we only had the one course we had Jones West and that was it. That was the course that I learned how to play on. And since then I've helped put in the other, what, 12 courses that we have here in town. So it's kind of, kind of crazy how you think about it from that aspect. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think I got, you know, pretty good at it pretty fast just because of my athletic ability, my, my past of, of being in baseball and gymnastics and, and just sports in general. And, um, you know, golf's in my family. My, my parents both golfed. My brother uh, is a general manager of a couple golf courses down in Texas. So, you know, I understand the, the concept of the mental capacity that's needed to play golf. So it kind of relates to disc golf, to be honest with you. So I think that's kind of how, how my start happened at least. And then there was so many leagues going on in Emporia just you know, I, I would never forget the old school guys would just play every Saturday at noon. So we'd all come out and play, we'd play doubles. And then somebody would run to, to Burger King and grab some hamburgers, come back and we'd play again. And, you know, we did that all year long. And then I, I got pretty good friends with some of them and we would travel to tournaments. And, you know, I was very fortunate to have the Kansas Disc Golf Association running events back then and, and just traveling all over the state playing tournaments. And, uh, I met Brandon Mace actually of, of Mace Man. Brian Mace is the probably the more popular Mace that that people know, but uh, it's his his younger brother. And we we hooked up and went to Texas, and I played my first big big event, uh, Veterans Park Open in 1997. Was the year I went down there and played that, and and I had no expectations. I didn't know what to expect going down there and playing, but uh, I played Am Two, which was a a division that we had back then, which is kind of relatable to like intermediate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won, I won by like four or five strokes. So I thought that was really cool. And I think that was really a, a springboard effect into my, my golf career of wanting to pursue it more, play more, travel more and uh, compete. That's, I mean, that's really interesting because a lot of people have the experience. I mean, everybody celebrates their hometown and, they love where they're from and you know, they, they try to remember it or act like they do throughout their life. But you have an interesting kind of perspective because Emporia kind of came of age with you. Emporia is a very historic town. Veterans day, the holiday was founded there. Uh, There's a lot of Mm -hmm. um, historic draws to that area of Kansas, the Flint Hills, all that stuff. But now it's disc golf central across the world. I mean, that's, that's one of the hubs of disc golf and you had a big hand in that. Not only that, but now, you know, driving into Emporia, Kansas, you're on a billboard next to the freeway. What is that yeah, like? Weird. What? Yeah. Whenever you're it's coming home, I mean, cause you're obviously very busy and I know that you were just in Alabama and in Kansas city and now mm-hmm. you're home and doing podcasts for your podcast and then probably your other podcast and then our podcast. So thank you. Um, but yeah, of course. How weird is that, man? To to travel the world jet setting, engaging in your passion, designing courses and stuff like that, to come home to the place that you love that you've spent your entire life and on your way home you're on a freaking billboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, man. I'm telling you. And there's there's spoiler alert, but there's a new billboard going up in town with myself, uh Paige Shu and Isaiah Esquivel on it. Nice over there at the R V park for uh, you know, the three world champions from Emporia, Kansas. But that's one thing that, man, it, it's really, it is a surreal feeling, but you know, I've said this from day one of, of getting out and playing more events, playing more courses, different cities that Emporia is, is like the best spot for disc golf. And I think other smaller communities could really take notes to be honest with you. I mean, Emporia is small. 
it's 28,000 people. You know, we have a university here. So majority of the people here are students a lot of the time, but I mean, bringing people here just makes sense. Like a big city. So here's how I've always put it. Like a big city, like Kansas city hosts the Kansas city wide open every year. And it's a big, fantastic event, but guess what? The city doesn't care. Like they don't, they don't feel any type of an impact on a thousand people coming to their community. Like that, that's a weekend for them. You know, that happens all the time. Now that happens in a smaller community of like 28,000 people. The economic economic impact on that is just phenomenal. I think I think it's around two million dollars that the city generates just from that week of disc golf, from people coming in and you know buying hotel rooms, filling up their cars with gas, eating food, and 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 all that. So it's you know Emporia. If you haven't been to Emporia, it's definitely a spot you need to come. And it's night and day difference if you're coming during the DDO or the GBO, whichever you want to call it, or if you're just coming during. The only tournament with a six-letter acronym. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right, right, exactly. But but if you come like in the middle of June to Emporia, you can have pretty much your choice of any course in town to yourself, for the most part. You know, Mm -hmm. that that being said, there's there's a couple courses that are starting to get more and more people on it. I just got done playing over at Pan, and uh, there was more and more people there. But we do have the Monkey Island Open this weekend, so there's people in town practicing for that. But uh, for the most part, our most popular course in town is the nine hole pigeon putt Hammond park. Mm-hmm. And that's what I stress the towns when I'm talking to them about, they want to install this big, massive championship level disc golf course. You know, first things first, you guys have a disc golf course in town. And if not, you're going to need something very, very beginner friendly. Otherwise yeah. people are just going to not want to pick up the game at all. So we it's, have a, it's, it's pretty interesting to see what our most popular course in town is. We have a very, uh, speaking of that, a very interesting situation near here in a town called Dixon, and uh, HB put in a a big, beautiful course at a place called Buckner Park, and it's it's an amazing course and it, it's super challenging, but it's a town that's got seven active disc golfers. Mm-hmm. So you sure. know, a yeah. year a year or two after the park's been in the course has been in use, the parks department is already talking about pulling it because nobody uses it. Because you take a person out there for their first round of disc golf, they're never going to touch a disc again. It's massive. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's punishing, uh, even for experienced players. But so you're you're speaking to a very a very true point. And location, and you know, as, as much as in many industries they tout location as being everything, it's also a very double edged sword. And, a, you know, just an opposite-sided coin, because in Nashville, a place like a major city, it's easier to build a, a, a big and successful club because there's just more disc golfers. Mm-hmm. But you yep. can put on a big event just about anywhere. And like you said, the community around it is going to benefit. But it's the, the same thing here. You know, while you would think, oh, it'd be easier, easy to bring a national tour or a major to a place like Nashville, Tennessee, because it's a major city. But the mm-hmm. convention bureau, the, the business bureau, the chamber of commerce – it's a drop in the bucket. They, we, we just built a multi-billion dollar convention center in downtown Nashville. They're not going to notice us. So um, I've just always appreciated Emporia because it's such a destination. Like if you're not going there for disc golf, there's very few other things that you're going there for. And But it's just such a cool little town in general, if, you know, even if it wasn't for disc golf. But coming from me, my biggest event before I went to GBO for the first time was Bowling Green Ams. And I remember mm-hmm. the first time I went to Bowling Green and like you pull into the Chick-fil-A and the, the marquee sign says, throw discs and eat chicken. Welcome PDGA. And I was like, holy <laughs> crap. Yeah. No. What? Oh, my God. And then my mind was blown my first year in, at GBO 
the first day we got there, we went immediately to Peter Pan to play a practice round. And we were coming up on one of the lakes and there was a lady out there with all her kids fishing. And we were coming up on our lives that were right there next to the, the water. And one of the kids had like started to run out in front of us. And this lady was like, no, no, honey, let the disc golfers go first. Nice. And two things, like my mind exploded twice because one, she knew what disc golf was Two, She was like encouraging her children to be respectful of it. And I was, this place is magical. It's different. Yeah, you, it is. You, and it's, and it's honestly not even the, 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 the DDO is not the largest event that happens in Emporia. Dirty Kansas. People watch the, the bike race that happens here. There's a 200 mile gravel race that comes to town every year. And I want to say there's like 2,500 people that come for that, but it's a shorter time. Yeah. They're only here for a couple of days as where our disc golf tournament, they come in for you know a week. Yeah. So. Those are some gnarly pictures that come out of that too. Everybody's just completely caked in three days of dirt. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, it looks fun, but no, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. I applaud Bobby golf snaps to Bobby for getting out there with, with Resco and doing it. Uh, I don't know if he did it last yeah, year, but he tried before, he, yeah. he blew a couple tires and he had to pull out, but Rusko's done it. I think three years and they, they do the hundred miles. So there's like three different races you can do and they do the hundred mile, but oh, yeah, just still, I don't miles. like to drive a hundred miles anymore, let alone <laughs> ride a bike that far through the Flint Hills. <laughs> NBD. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A couple flat tires. No big deal. Um, nah. Yeah. So, okay. So you're at what point do you meet Jeremy? I met Jeremy in, let's see, what year would that have been? 2004, around 2004, so right before he started Dynamic Discs, really. I mean, he, he had already ordered, I think, some Innova Discs back then, and I just, knew of, I just knew of this college kid that was in town, and he was ordering discs, and that's all that I knew of him, right? Mm-hmm. And I met him out playing one day. He had pulled up on his moped that he used to frequent the course on and uh, saw him and, and just started playing with him. And I knew who he was. He knew who I was. And, uh, you know, back then I was, I was in pretty good with Discraft cause I was sponsored by Discraft for, for 10 years. So I helped him, you know, by ordering the first set of discs for him with the, the DD logo and that relationship started to bloom. And, and, um, I convinced him to play this tournament that I was hosting called the Glassbone open that it was like that weekend or something like that. When we f- first officially met, I'm like, you should play this tournament. I'm hosting this weekend. And and he did, he signed up for am two and he won, he won intermediate. He won himself a glass trophy. And I think, I think that is really what set him off on wanting to, you know, build this crazy massive empire that he has done. So it was right around 2004 that I met Jeremy for the first time. And you guys, obviously you, introducing him to uh, the folks at Discraft, kind of getting the ball rolling on the first custom stamp discs, so on and so forth. At what point did you become a part of the vision for dynamic discs and how did that happen? Because I think obviously the test is at a major may at a significantly pivotal point in the game's progression, like what happened with prodigy in 2013 and if you're not jumping off your sponsor and going to the, where the money is mm-hmm. and you're, and you're not on that big list of people that's, that's doing that. You, uh, the, you, you're standing out. There was just a couple people that kind of stood their ground during that whole thing. And the, and it, and it set, it spoke volumes and you know, you're talking about Paul McBeth. That's the one that everybody first points to is he did not consider leaving Innova. And you obviously knew that, 
the the plastic manufacturing, the molds coming to DD was underway, and you your, your chips were in. So how did that kind of become the nature of the scenario? <clears throat> Great question. Um, I'll never forget 2011 was when uh, I first heard about Prodigy coming to the table, and they were wanting to to pay players and uh, do all this. I mean, you should have heard some of the stuff that they wanted to do for players. It was insane. It was like, what you're going to do all of this for every single player. I mean, it was insane what they were talking about doing. And, uh, Paul and I were obviously on that list of, I mean, we signed, uh, non-disclosures and all that fun stuff. So we didn't talk about it to anybody. And, um, they sent, how many was it? Let's see. Nine of us, I think it was to Europe for a month all of us they just paid for our flights they rented us a couple cars and unfortunately i was one of the older guys that were involved that was the only one that knew how to drive a stick shift so <laughs> i was drive all over europe for a month and uh i want to say it was let's see it was myself Macbeth, Uliberry, Paige pierce uh will shoestrick david felberg kale lavisca uh nicola castro and uh uh, Felberg's mellow. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her, but it was his, uh, his ex-girlfriend now, but we were all traveled for a month in Europe and, you know, we came home and it was a great trip. I mean, we had a fantastic time running clinics, playing events and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, come, come that October at the USDGC is when I was with Jeremy and he told me, he's like, here, you might, you might take this, this box of discs home. And they were all latitude 64 discs. I'm like, this is interesting. So at that point I had three decisions to make. Am I going to stick with prodigy um, or stick with Discraft technically at the time? Am I going to try this new prodigy role or am I going to, going to go with DD? And um, I'll be honest, my heart was with DD just because I'd been there since day one, helped pick the logo and, you know, just, the friendship I had with Jeremy just really set everything else apart. So you know, I, I had conversations with Discraft, you know, saying, Hey, I've got these offers on the table. You know, what, what does my future look like at, at Discraft? And there wasn't much change. And this was kind of when Discraft was kind of stepping back a little from disc golf and not, not putting as much money into it like they are right now. So unfortunately I had to make a decision to, to leave Discraft and, you know, as much as, as much as I wanted to try the prodigy role and, you know, they were talking about giving you investments into the company and all that. And I don't know how any of that panned out now, but I would say I'm, I'm very, very happy with my decision of sticking with dynamic discs. And uh, it was, it was really just a no brainer looking back on it now, you know, there was, it was, it was pretty obvious which way I needed to go. I mean, he was in Emporia. He had taken over the glass and open at this point. And, you know, I, I am DD, you know, and, I'll never forget, you know, I was one of the very first, I was the first sponsored player from Dynamic Discs, and <laughs> we struggled sometimes to uh, to have shirts with uh, correct logos that weren't crooked and, and all sideways and all that. So if you look at some really old footage, you could probably see me wearing a, a shirt that has a DD logo that's a little sideways. But, uh, you know, I was always I was always there to, to rock them, and, and uh, I'll never forget the, the first Kansas City Wide Open. He brought, it was like 2000 six or seven or something like that he brought some dd shirts for me to wear and they were like the coolest thing i've ever i'd ever seen you know because they were all big logos and kind of like what you see on anybody now but it was like first to the industry of doing that kind of stuff and i saw jeremy's passion and 
you know, I, I could see where his, his mind was at and where he wanted to go. And that's where I knew I wanted to be. So two questions that, that what your response there brings to my mind. Uh, and I'm sorry if I'm hogging the microphone, you guys, if you've got a burning question, feel free to jump in at some point. Uh, I'll jump in. But I prepared for this, dang it. Um, so, uh, my first, first question and feel free if the, if any part of this is off limits or you just don't feel like getting in the weeds with it, just say the word and I, I can divert, but what I know that there at least is some perception and maybe even some discussion among the disc golf world about disc crafts role in disc golf and how much of it is, is cultivated and, and calculated to kind of played out the way that it has where, as you mentioned, they did really pull back from disc golf and you, you know, for a number of years, it was like, if there was somebody on the course throwing disc craft, that was an old guy. Like it was like somebody that remembered a, a, a bygone era and, oh no, it happened again. Uh, no. All right. You're still there. Okay. You got us back. All right. Okay. What are the yep. la- What was the last thing you heard? <laughs> bygone era um i don't know if you want to jump into this okay here we go then <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> from the top <laughs> i'm not even going to edit that out that's too good yeah yeah that might be a sign so yeah our safe word for the show is pineapple so at any point just okay. say Perfect. the word pineapple and one of these is going to pop up on the Whoopsie. screen right there Whoopsie. and we can just divert the subject matter but there's been a perception or perhaps some discussion among the disc golf world over some time now since Paul signed with them, basically um, that they did step back from disc golf in a big way for a number of years. And the only people that you saw on the course throwing disc craft plastic were people that were kind of paying tribute to a bygone <laughs> era in some way, or that's how you regarded them. And then all of a sudden disc golf starts growing by leaps and bounds largely and I might be biased in my observation of this or my assessment of it, but largely due to the investments of companies like Dynamic Discs and their business model being centered around investing back into the growth of the game so that it can continue to be successful. And that was one of the things, and the reason I point such a finger at that is because that was one of the things that caused me to throw my chips in with DD when I first started running tournaments and stuff. Just kind of felt simpatico. But... There was some animosity in the industry, I know, when Paul Macbeth signs this record-breaking contract with Discraft, and there was memes and cartoons that came out about it. You know, there were, I remember one meme where it was like the lady and the cat at dinner, and the lady side said, it had like a DD logo, and it said, grow the sport, and on the other side, it had a Discraft logo over the cat, and it said, buy the sport. Uh, and so, yeah, so now... My question to you, and, and I'm not trying to paint you into a corner, I, I, I'm trying to get your honest thought and opinion on like the strategy there. Was it? Do you really feel like that that was something that was planned on their part, that they didn't see a future in disc golf and kind of invested their resources elsewhere, and then when disc golf, once again, is obviously becoming viable, clearly, and it's apparent to everybody, all of a sudden, we're throwing money around. What What, what is, be, being that you've been behind the scenes and you've kind of seen the the larger picture over all these years. What What's your assessment of that? I think, I think that's very, very possible for sure. I mean, you know, props to prodigy, honestly, for stepping up and being the first, one of the first companies to actually pay players, you know, and legit pay the players. Now, how did that turn out for those players is, is to be spoken about, I suppose, because there's what kale, 
Kale Cat are the only two that are Will. the originals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. And, and Will. Well, yeah, Will. Will doesn't count because Will's like part, part owner of that yeah. company now. Yeah. So. No, he, he definitely counts. I got a lot of respect for Will. And um, I suppose, well, Hokum's not there anymore either. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, props to, to Prodigy for wanting to pay the players and, and actually pay them. Um, and I, I think I think with Discraft, I think they were just, you know, honestly what it is, what I truly believe it is, and I, I can only speak from my opinion on this, but I think it was that they were just making hand over fist money in Ultimate Frisbee because every single college – that is that has an ultimate club you know they're sanctioned so you can only throw the ultra star so i think that they were making a little bit more money on the uh the ultimate side of things and they were disc golf and just saw for sure you know a potential to throw some of that ultimate money around in disc golf and then hey why don't we just go pick up paul Macbeth and see what happens and i mean has it worked uh i would say yes i would say it 100 percent has worked for them you know but but at the end of the day Paul Macbeth is probably the only player that you can do that with. There's yeah. not really another player out there that you can throw that much money at and that they're going to see Brody. impact on. <laughs> you can argue all day that, um, you know, the Ricky move was, you know, a, a big move that he was trying to replicate what, uh, what Paul did and leaving latitude 64. And I'm not biased about this, but I think it was a, a mistake on his part. I mean, he was on top of his game. He won his world titles you know, and then, I mean, you can argue that the Lime thing happened at around the same time, but I don't know. There was just something about Ricky on Latitude 64 that made mm-hmm. sense to me. And uh, and it's not because they weren't going to pay him because they were planning to pay him. But, uh, you know, his heart was just at Innova. And that, at the end of the day, that's what you got to do. You know, you got to go where, where your heart's at. And, but yeah, I think there was a lot of ultimate money that was thrown into the sport of disc golf. And now look at players. Players are getting paid. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. As team manager, I can tell you what the players are expecting, and yeah. they're definitely expecting to get paid. By the way, so thanks, it's, boss, it's, for the prototypes and the cool duds and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely, my pleasure. Heck yeah. Well, I mean, so, but yeah, I mean that's, that's kind of the way it is. And I think you know, obviously, however you feel about Prodigy, and it, especially if you were affected by it personally in the course of those years when that when that happened, you can't deny the fact that it set a precedent and it changed things for the disc golf industry for the better in respects to the touring players, because now the players have that, that, that bar came up where they're bargaining chips. They got a little, a few more of those on their side of the table when it, when it came to negotiating for sponsorships yep. and, and that pushed the game in a positive direction. I, I don't think you can deny that. And similarly with Discraft signing Paul to this crazy amount of money in his contract and all that stuff, and then doing it again. Now that's a huge move. And I think, you know, there's animosity due to the fact that, you know, they were gone when it was bad. They came around when it was good. And then now that things are exploding and nobody can keep up with demand there. A lot of people feel like they're doing re- their retailers dirty r- with the mystery box thing. And we've talked a little bit about it on the podcast and I'm not meaning to paint it in any kind of a light. It's what it is. I know everybody's having a hard time coming up with plastic right now, but it just seems to be kind of a sentiment that I'm hearing, you know, among people playing, especially new amateurs, is just like they've fallen in love with this plastic. It's been marketed to them in this really appealing way, and then they can't get it unless they spend 150 to 500 dollars to get a disc. Mm-hmm. And and I don't and know. Taking on, I had heard that they're not taking on any new uh, customers. Also. That's right true, now. and they're also not doing custom stamps at yeah, all. Yeah, we tried unless to get one of their events. Like. Um, 
we try to ask about that. Yeah. And they they're not taking any new um, people trying to buy disc like wholesale right yeah. now because mm-hmm. they can't fill their other orders. We but, are. Yep. Have discs if you need anything stamped. Hey, we got. We, I, I got an order in right now, buddy. <laughs> Sa- yeah, Rex Sav, Derek Savory told me you had about six hundred thousand discs getting ready to come in, or maybe it just came in. I've got last cash podcast discs on their way here. I'll save one to bring it to Emporia but in I had a couple a, weeks. I had a question yeah, about that. about um, course design, championship course design, and the I think about whole. I think it's hole eight at Country Club. How it's it really you know got the pros like they were finding it difficult to attack even the top guys. I mean, I know the win, you know, definitely had a major factor in the out of bounds and how it was like, you can't go too far, right? You can't hyzer out over into the, you know, kind of wheeze by the water, but how do you keep up with like the distance factor and still making these challenging courses and are making the touring pros a little frustrated? Like, I think that's almost a good thing. Sometimes when a hole or a course is like, they can't just dial it in. They kind of get a little frustrated, kicks them, a little bit and how do you kind of keep up with that? And when you're saying like the championship design instead of like the, mm-hmm. you know, the other courses you design. Well, it's been, it's been really easy until this year when I'm actually playing the dynamic discs open in MPO. So I, I may be <laughs> cursing myself by the end of the weekend, but uh, we'll see. But uh, you know, it's, it is whole eight that you're talking about eight and nine were the two biggest changes that we made to the course over the, the past few years. And, you know, the wind absolutely comes into play when you're designing a course because it's windy here. Let's be honest. It's, mm-hmm. it's typically windy here. So you got to kind of have that mindset when you're coming into it, but stretching hole eight back just made the most sense. Like it used to be two holes and we needed a legit par five on the course. Cause we, you know, hole one, it's a par five, but it's a, it's a kind of a soft par five. If you wanted to for that, I mean, you don't have to get too aggressive and you can still get your four. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not doing that on hole number eight. It is a legit par five. And then not to mention hole eight, but then you've got hole nine right after it. That is the the new shot out of the tunnel to a yeah. landing zone up and around the corner. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not getting easier designing courses to make things more challenging for these players, because let's face it, these players are getting better and better each week. Like it's insane to watch some of the scores come in from the players and yeah. uh, like Paul's 18 under round at uh where was that at in, in Michigan was maybe a little, not quite 18 under maybe it's hard to say. Cause par, I mean, you just, that's the hard part about designing a course for par because you have players like Paul or Simon or Eagle that can just throw a disc 600 feet, 700 feet. And then, you know, you got to make those landing zones that much smaller. And one thing we've been able to do at the country club is bring in out of bounds into play, you know, that the natural tall grass, calling it out of bounds, the cart path, the tees, the greens and all that, mm-hmm. and just kind of squeezing it off and, and making the landing zones a little more favorable. So if you want to go out there and, you know, you're a 300 foot player and you feel confident in that you can actually score pretty well at the country club, just, just sawing it off instead of trying to get big and go aggressive. If you're going big and going aggressive, you're either going to kill it or get killed. And that's kind of the way it works. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So we are approaching our Alamo. Um, I know, obviously, we're, we're kind of cramming a lot into a short period of time, and, and I will pester the crap out of you until I feel like I've uh, wrung your chamois for everything that's in it. Um, so sure. we'll have to do this again. But 
you know, obviously you went on your run and then won the world championships in 2010 and then 2011 were courted by Prodigy, 2013, 2014, Prodigy and DD both emerged with their lineups. Uh, and you have been all in working with growing the business, growing the brand of Dynamic Discs in every step of the way and, and in every way with the events, with the promotion, the team, all that stuff. So I feel like where you've come to now and Doc talked to, mentioned uh, McCabe Championship Course Design. Shameless plug, you guys, if you need a course, yeah. th- this is the guy. Uh, I- I'm just yeah. saying, he's pretty awesome, and that's the Emac Truth. Hey. Insert Did cool, good, Dad? Insert cool sound okay. effect here. Uh, so, <laughs> my question is, you know, one other thing, touching back to previous part of the conversation, another thing that I always felt like you had in common with Paul is that you guys both set out to be difference makers within the, within the industry. And I feel like that was something that was a part of your overarching scheme was that you wanted to be on the front lines um, doing the exciting things and setting the standards and setting the precedence and, and being right there to witness all this stuff happen. And do you feel like you've arrived now? Because I see all these pictures on your Instagram of you on boats with dogs in sunsets and everything looks super epic and you and Denise are just living the dream is what it, it seems like. And you're traveling around the country designing these epic disc golf courses that are going to continue to allow the sport to grow for years to come. I mean, where, where does the world get any better for Eric McCabe? That's the, uh, I can tell you, I can absolutely tell you. It's when I have my own piece of property with my own course on it. That's when it gets better. Okay. When I have my own course on my own property, I don't plan to slow down designing courses at all. Uh, I've, I've made it pretty clear that one of my goals is to have a, at least one course in every state. And I think I'm around 23 states right now. So I'm almost to that halfway point and I've knocked out a couple uh, more challenging ones as well. Like California is really hard to get a course designed in because of just the, Everything. the laws and the yeah. red tape you got to go through. Um, I never thought Alaska would happen, but m- who knew that it would be my favorite course? Like that place is just phenomenal. It's And I've, I've become best friends with the owner of that, that property. So it's, it's pretty cool, you know, but how does it get better, man? Just having my own course, I think. But, and as far as have I made it, you know, I don't look at it that way, I guess. Um, I, I, I believe that, you know, the, the old saying that, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I, it's work. It, it is hard work. It's yes, not it easy being gone on the road. I mean, I traveled for, for many, many years, just playing disc golf, like physically, like grinding it out. Like, we weren't getting paid when I was out there doing it. The money we made was if you happen to have a signature disc because you won a championship, you know, you were making money on that. But other than that, you were making money on the tournaments that you played, you know, and it wasn't easy, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it and I wouldn't change it for the world. And, um, you know, getting out and being gone all the time, it's, it's stressful. And there's, there's some anxiety involved in it, traveling and, always being gone from the house and uh especially in a pandemic i love it but i love it man yeah during a pandemic it's flying during a pandemic is super weird like it's not i'm not gonna lie it's super weird but um i I love it man And, and it's been it's been so much fun getting out and designing a new course every time i step on a new property i get that much more excited about being there and and designing a course and one day i definitely want my own course on my own piece of property that is like a a pay to play style of course with a pro shop and whatever it may be. And I don't, I don't really care where it's at. I don't care where it is located as long as the property's good. And, you know, I've been, 
I've been keeping my eye on the Ozarks because I've, I've, I'm a big fan of the Ozarks. I don't know if, if you guys have traveled to the, you're not very far from there. So it's, I vacationed in Eureka Springs one year with the wife. It's so beautiful. I've watched the Ozark. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've watched the show, you know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's exactly what I'm expecting. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't wait. I'm just happy to be on TV. (laughs) And I love getting out, um, you know, and, you know, here in the past, what, two or three years, I've really fallen back in love with fishing because I used to fish a lot when I was a kid. And, uh, I, I did buy a boat. I bought a, uh, a pontoon boat that I love taking out and putting on the lake and trying to catch some walleye or some crappie or whatever it is. And my uh, my best friend from way back, that actually Gabe Worley, who started the Glassball and Open with me, has also become a very avid fisherman. And we go out, you know, anytime we have a free time, we're out on that boat. That's awesome, man. I got a quick question. I know Eric's got to get out of here. Yeah, I was uh, going to let you get one in. Uh, Eric, love the Emac Truth. It's my favorite putter driver. You'll see the mid-range. bit he did later. It's great. Funny. Uh, but hey, the it's new dog, good. tell me more. New puppy. You got a new puppy? A new dog? Yeah, a new puppy. Yes, we did. We got a, we call her our pandemic puppy. Um, <laughs> her name is Wren. She's named after uh, the Ca- Carolina Wren, actually, the bird. Denise named her. Uh, it was one of those things that we didn't plan on getting another dog, but we just happened to find her and it, and it worked out great. Um, we used to have, uh, Denise's dog, Sheba was her name and she was a Australian shepherd and like Malamute or Husky mix. And we had to put her down right after GBO two years ago. She was 17. So, you know, she was, she lived a heck of a life and, Ralph, Ralphie's actually 17 years old. He'll be 18 in a few months, which it just blows my mind. That made you know? me feel and old. He's starting to kind of show some signs of, of his senior, you know, attitude. You know, he's, he, uh, he actually dislocated his hip about four or five years ago and, and he's still going strong though. But, but yeah, he's great. Maverick is, is awesome as well. He's, he's uh Denise's favorite and vice versa. So it's kind of <laughs> great to have a, uh, have that. But Ren is, She's great. She's just this little little cute dog, and you never know what to uh, what you what you're gonna get out of her. But she likes to climb trees and chase squirrels. That's her two favorite things to do. Solid. I'm sure that you've answered this on a podcast before because I feel like I might have heard you answer it. But is that a specific breed of dog that you keep getting, or do, is this like a random mixture of breeds that just the universe just keeps throwing into your lap? Because they all look Basically. very unique, they but do. in a they, similar way. It almost looks like. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, they're they all of them have some sort of like shepherd in them, whether it's Australian shepherd or border collie or cattle dog or you know the the working dog is what we love and we love taking them out to the course and just letting them run wild. And you know, a lot of people ask me how I get good at you know not being distracted on the course if like someone's driving by or a horn or someone yells. I'm like, try playing with three dogs, you'll get better you won't even know anything's going on, you know? So it's great, dude. I, I'm a big, big fan of dogs and love them all to death. It's awesome. Yeah. They're way cooler than cats. Will you shut your mouth? <laughs> yeah. I right, like I all three, animals more than questions. I like most people. And you're going on the bad list. Three, about laser three, cats? three quick questions. Mark is here. Eric, a yep. uh, long time fan. Um, first question. Um, are you a fan of flicking the truth? Um, oh, <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> <Loaded question. laughs> 
I'm not a fan of you. You could have just stopped it at flicking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't re- recall you being known for your. Okay. Side. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's an answer to that question. Next question. Um, what, what what do you think about putting hot sauce in a vending machine? I'm all for it. Necessary. So, there now, you go. Take my money. Hey. I'm all for it. Uh, last question. You got any tips out there for anybody? You know, any kind of tips that you can give anybody that's just now getting into the sport? Like, it doesn't have to necessarily be, like, form-related. It can be, like, showing up on time, stretching before the game, making a course at home. However you like to do it. What's your tips for the people out there? That's a great question. You know, the big one, I think you kind of na- nailed it, is stretching before your rounds. Like, don't just go out and start ripping right out of the car. You know, make sure you do that stretching regimen and uh, make sure you're nice and loose before you play uh, is a great thing. And then just be kind. Just be good to your fellow disc golfers. If you see garbage on the, the, the course, pick it up. You know, I mean, there's nothing worse to me than going and in, in, in playing a course somewhere and it's just trashed. You know, there's trash everywhere. And, you know, if you have a – we do leagues here in town, and sometimes we'll do – you know, you get an extra two strokes off your score if you come in with a trash bag full of trash. You know, and, and it doesn't happen much anymore because we have a lot of trash cans on the course and people seem to really take care of our parks here. But pick up your trash and just just try to have fun. You know, that's what it's about. As soon as you start getting angry on the course and start getting, you know, start cursing or start kicking things, that's when it's time to maybe take a break, you know, and, and just just remember why you're doing it. Why did you start to do it? Because you fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. How much you do? Amen, brother. Pound through the screen. Um, everybody knows, yep. obviously, they can catch you on Disc Golf Answer Man. Uh, but shout out your new podcast with Taco, Mick Taco, which is the yeah, greatest Mick, name for a podcast Mick, uh, ever. Yeah, we, we've been having a lot of fun with it. We kind of, we've been lacking because of how busy we've both have been. But Mick Taco is a, a lot of fun. I think we're like 11 episodes in and we kind of do what you guys do. We just kind of sit and talk and just basically BS about things, you know, whatever, whatever hot topic is going on right now, we'll talk about it or. You know, we we try to follow some sort of regimen, but most of the time it's just, you know, eh, whatever. And, and it's great because his wife will come over with the kids and then they'll make dinner and we'll all just kind of have a have a great time. And, you know, we've been having so much fun with uh, the podcast and um, not just the podcast, but the, the YouTube channel, just doing couples doubles. We do this this series of couples doubles where we'll go out and play and, um, you know, the during the pandemic, a lot of people picked up uh, a YouTube channel and started putting out content. And I've always enjoyed it, enjoyed doing something like that. So we, we do it and we do it for fun. And, you know, there's nothing better than going out and playing around and filming it. And, you know, it's a lot of work, obviously editing those videos together, but it is a lot of fun. And, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And, and I've always been a fan of, of my, my Instagram page and just posting pictures of, I mean, if you like dog pictures and basket pictures, sunsets and fish, you'll love my Instagram page. Yep. <laughs> it's a good follow. I'm just it, thinking if McDonald's going to jump in on this McTaco, you know, dude, Burger they, King um, has a crispy to, taco. It sounds promising. Taco Bell, a Chick-fil-A is probably going to make some kind of taco, but McTaco, I mean. Were you always into, what, sorry, go ahead. They, they better, they, <laughs> they better hop in on it. But if they do without permission from us, there may be a lawsuit coming to them. Mm-hmm. Watch out. <laughs> Copyrighted. It's on the internet. And we'll, it's take it. we'll, we'll get the best darn up. lawyers in Emporia, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. McCabe and McCabe on the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, were you always into like, was, was podcasting and create and like uh, media content and stuff. Was that always something that you were interested in or did Bobby drag you into that? And then you found out you liked it. 
Bobby drove, dragged me into it That's years and years ago. I, I think it was 2013 we started our first episode. And, yeah. I, and I think I have pictures of it from a hotel room that we, we first started doing. It used to be I would just call in when I'm on the road once a week and we would we would answer questions. And now it's just evolved into this beast of a, of a show with Danny and Anthony. And it's been great. And we miss Robert, obviously, not being around anymore. But uh, we make good with what we have. And we have a lot of fun doing it. And Danny and Anthony are such great guys, too. I love getting out and. And playing some rounds of golf with those dudes and uh anthony especially he's just he's just he can he can take the heat and he can give it just as hard so it's it's a lot of fun i feel like i remember early episodes watching you and you just kind of seemed like you were you were here and you were like yeah i'll answer your question and then you were kind of there and then after a year or two i could see you were kind of appreciating the platform and you were kind of giving a little bit more to the fans and stuff but anyway it's cool i love your podcast keep doing them and I won't waste any more of your time. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Eric. And, uh, man, I look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks in Kansas. I look forward to that as well. Hope, are you guys all coming or just, just you, Will? Me and Dr. Hoy. He's running the poker uh, poker night and the, pu- and the putting contest. And I'll be at Slope I didn't know again. That. Yep. I'm a school teacher, yes. Eric. This is literally the only time of the year that I can't just take a vacation. We're Testing torturing week. him. We Testing keep saying, week, dude, come man. on, quit come your on. job, come to Kansas. Testing week. <laughs> yeah, quit your job, play disc golf. Uh, Come on out. Everybody do does it these days. Come on. Silly. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's doing. I mean, people are getting ten million dollar contracts. <laughs> yeah. Come on, dude. It's that's all the rage. It's that's what it's, I tell my kids. I'm like, you don't need this test. Come yeah. on. It's the cat's pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Fact. <laughs> all right, buddy. I will let you enjoy your evening. Tell Denise hello and thank you for letting us borrow you. And uh, and we will catch you on the flip side. Sounds good, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks a lot for everything. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. See you. Yep. Bye. Bye. That was fun. Yeah, don't you guys go nowhere. We're still on. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, it was fun, right? Fun. Yeah. Thank you. I I, I wanted to talk about the time I hit an ace, and it was with his disc, and I posted it on Instagram. He did the little fire emoji. It's pretty cool. I didn't even tag him in it. He just was like, oh, they said something about Emac Truth. He yeah. he's he's great about going and uh, kind of dropping some love in random yeah. places. Like oh, he's long done this thing where he'll be in a random place and go play a course, and he'll take a disc yeah. and sign it and stash it somewhere on the course. And then somebody, awesome. of course, will find it and post it on Instagram, and it's it's become yeah. a thing. What about the hot dog bandit? Oh, I'm Have pretty y'all... sure that's Eric, dude. Not Eric <laughs> McKay, but Eric yeah. Oakley. I'm pretty EO. sure that's Oakley. That's yeah. got Oakley written all over. Have you all heard about this stamping people's no. disc like? It's a rubber stamp and it's a hot dog and they like stamp somebody's disc when they're not looking on the bottom and it's like a little hot dog. Thing. Yeah, no way. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty. And it's just like a really simple like ink yeah. pad stamp of a, yeah. of a hot dog. Just a little, a little tiny hot somebody dog. Somebody in Nashville does something like it at a course. If you uh, lose your disc at that course, they put some kind of stamp on your disc. Clankos? No, never... it's not. It's not a stamp that you would like either. So I'm gonna leave it at that. Oh. Oh. Something uh, making me be appreciative of our parental advisory sticker, or perhaps a a pineapple. We've made it so far today without that. (laughs) I am wearing that picture out. It's my favorite thing about the podcast now. I'm about to make a custom stamp. Pineapple coming soon. Uh oh, the headphones are coming off. They're not working right now anyway because we moved them for the the Zoom. But anyway, thank you guys for coming along with us on this. Wonderful journey of learning a, and uh, and frisbees. I feel like we've really covered a lot of ground. 
And I feel like we're we're better because of it. I feel like we're we're frisbees, we're friends, stronger friends, family, fun. Yeah. It's disc golf. You know, it's the ultimate sport. Go out and play with your grandma or your best friend. Get beat by your neighbor. You know, throw into a garage door once or twice a week. Never seen that. Oh, yeah. Come on, come play Wednesday night tags tomorrow in the rain, guys. You can take the brothers out of the trenches. St. Patrick's Day out of the trenches, but you can't take the trenches out of the bros. Wednesday night tags, St. Patrick's edition. I might show up. Uh-oh. Oh! If you're not wearing green, somebody's going to nail you with a disc right in the forehead. Now I'm going to give... Pow! Uh, right maybe, in the maybe even have a uh, win your card prize. Oh. Maybe a prize for the person who shows up the most green discs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look how many green discs I have. Did hey. I win? Now there's going to be like five people at the WNT going, I was told that there would be a prize for all green discs, and yeah. I wore all my green clothes, and nobody hit me with the frisbee. And don't be that guy. Uh, my underwear is green, so don't pinch me. You got. I got a green tattoo. I'm covered. No, no, no. You got a. He's clothing. Bro. What is what is more? Th- how how could you wear something more than that? Is it where is it? There's always those kids in school like this. There's another green one right See? there. I'm drinking green soda. Does that count? Well, not green. Surge. Surge. Jolt Vault. Cola. Vault. Vault. Was oh. Green. By the way, a uh, new sponsor of the show, not, but I still endorse it, Watermelon Mountain Dew. Probably terrible for you, but it tastes Watermelon lovely. sugar. We need to get Bushnell. On the show? No. The Bushnell. <laughs> Bushnell, get at us. Can you see where our podcast is? Hey, uh, from Pete, where you are? With question for Pete Uliberry. Hey, can you talk to Paul and see if Bushnell gets <laughs> on our show? Yeah. A, drop a line for us, Pete. I mean, I'll pick it up every like 10 minutes. Don't forget, yeah. Bushnell. Find your disc and your marker. I just no, tape it to my head and just, just yeah. do the show like that. It's yeah. interesting because uh, Cyborg. I posted that we're going to have Pete on the show and my friend Doc, that another friend named Doc, that got me into disc golf. Wow. Uh, he saw the post and he commented. He was like, he was like, what I am to you, Pete is to me. He's like, I'm definitely going to be watching this. And I was like, that. Like that stuff, like that, makes me feel all tingly in the warm and fuzzy. I mean, the rap, but it's because, like, my lot. friend, like, dude, my friend Doc. <laughs> the first time I ever played was on his private course at his ranch, Dang. and then now I'm running a national tour event and I'm hosting on a podcast as a, with a, with a guest, the guy that got him like established in the sport. It's just. It's crazy how that's why the out. be kind that Emac was talking about. Mm-hmm. You never know with five years later, somebody you were kind to in the sport, or you like get somebody involved in the sport, and five years later they're talking to you, bringing you on a podcast or bringing you on their podcast. It's me and or, Alan Posey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you just never know. Yeah, and so don't don't burn I mean, the bridges. I got Alan Posey going in disc golf and you end up being like part of the board. Yeah, running running yeah. his own, own little thing. And now he's There's a, last a bunch place of people running around here that you got into the disc golf. Yeah. Now won't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. You're Can't next. stop. Won't stop. It don't stop. Coming to a school playground. Hashtag we run stuff. Run it. Yeah. Running it. And on that note, we'll catch you guys next week for episode 31 with Robert Zavala and Jordan Eubanks from Vets Disc Golf. Mike, thanks for coming and hanging out. Bye, buddy. guys. It's been fun, man. You it's been great. You come by again. Hungry. Yeah. It'll be fun. Just like disc golf. Yeah, hungry. I'm hungry too. <laughs> Let's all go eat. Bye. Let the bass kick.